Well, Joel. you know, I you know, I I rocked a Canon ADD for a long time. But ADD, I, ADD. I was, ti- I was tired. <laughs> he does got some ADD. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of That Reload Podcast. I am your host, Joel, owner of Reload Rub and Seasoning. I have the entire crew here with me today. I have to my right the man, the myth, the legend, the booze, Jeremy, the Kitchen White Law. Meh. And over the phone, we've got our pitmaster and producer, the man that tickles all the clips, Mr. Matt Farr. Levels, levels. And not last, we got to my left, the sweet and sassy, sometimes salty, Miss Stacy. Hey, guys. But lastly, coming in, our sit-in host, the man, king of all the apples, Mr. Noah Cheek. Cheeky, cheeky. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yes. I like, I like it. it. I like it. So, Bush. Bush. There you go. Dude, Noah. I don't have that rumble. So, Matt, we got Matt over the phone line right now, but Noah is sitting across from us in his beautiful, festive bush light sweater and i just want to get all up in it <laughs> i can't help it. rub that body you're, you're more than welcome to Joel. Well, the invitation's open okay well then when this podcast is over i'm getting a plane ticket <laughs> all right so we got a great episode today we are talking thanksgiving 102 um what were we talking about turkey some other stuff and desserts and gravy Mm-hmm. And gravy. Gravy, baby. That's right. But before we do that, we always got to catch up. And Matt, uh, you can't see us. You're on the phone. I know you had some stuff you wanted to talk about. What you got, brother? Yeah, so a couple of things. I'm actually on the final countdown. The reason I'm not there today is because here in about three hours, I'm going to be heading to the hospital uh, with the wife, and it's officially baby day. So we're going to get that process started real quick. I am so excited for you guys. Yeah, I'm excited too. It's been a lot of anxiety leading up to this point, so I'm ready, ready just to have her here and meet her and and you know have a baby at this point. Well, you know, nine months is a long time to wait. I got goosies. The it next, is. the next time we talk to you, you're going to be Daddy Far. That's right. Well, I'm already Daddy <laughs> Father Far. Far. <laughs> Father Far. Father Far. Um, something I did this week uh, is I actually went out. You know, we talked a few episodes back about me uh, going not getting to go hunting. And the honey season's already started whatnot. I actually got to finally get out and sight in my bows. I shot my compound and my crossbow. And I uh, tried out some new broadheads that um, worked really well. I'm not going to name the name or anything like that. But it worked really well shooting-wise. But as soon as I, you know, put one in the dirt. Which, which is common for you. Shut the hell up. <laughs> no. no, so my, with my bow, my compound, the fletching goes up. And with the crossbow, my fletching goes down. And when I was going back and forth between the two, I loaded my crossbow wrong, and I, it kicked it up and shot it in the dang dirt. And it broke the shaft of the broadhead off in the bolt of the arrow. So, because they're plastic. So, I know Joel, you don't... I, I got to tell you, I don't know what any of those words mean that you just said. Oh. I think broadhead this is, is, a first. is a derogatory term for women. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what else the other stuff means. And he's shooting them. I, I don't know what he's doing. Some sort I of tell grand you theft auto thing. Hey, ho, ha. Hmm. <laughs> all right. Anyways, what all, what all else you guys got? So something else I wanted to talk about is uh, I feel like I owe 
the audience a little bit of a retraction. So last week, uh, when we were talking about sides, we, we spent a good deal of time talking about stuffing versus dressing. And I think Jeremy and I were pretty, uh, headstrong on the fact that you should never put stuffing inside the actual Turkey because at that point, your turkey is going to get to the point where it's dried out or the stuffing is going to end up with like gross undercooked poultry juice in it. Uh, and (laughs) so, uh, our friends That's over at Haltman Family Meats uh, sent me one of their boneless stuffed turkeys. Uh, obviously, they haven't had a chance to hear that episode yet because it hasn't aired. So this was just happenstance. I had an order in with them, and they threw one in for me. And I made it last night, and it was absolutely delicious. So I'm not too big to admit when I was wrong. That thing was phenomenal. And it was super easy, too. So if you're looking for a quick and easy stuffing and turkey recipe, that thing comes pre-made. All you've got to do is I coated mine with some extra virgin olive oil, some salt and pepper. I threw it in the smoker at 375, and I think they recommend... I forget the timing, but I I probed it actually in the stuffing. And then I also probed it in the turkey and uh, just, just let it cook until it hit 160 internal and then let it carry over for the rest of the way. And it was so easy and so delicious. How many people do you feel like that would feed? I think they're like three pounds. uh, And my wife's not a big turkey fan. I ate maybe two, two slices off of it. And then I sent the rest of it to my in-laws uh, to eat. I think you could probably feed five or six people with that, especially wow. if you've got a good amount of sides. Yeah. Wow. Well, we can cook that for dinner one night then here. Yeah. I thought it was only going to be enough for a few of us. Jeremy, you yeah. were over there chomping at the bit to say something. Whoa. Now, Matt, <laughs> you're offering this reta- retraction on a stuffed turkey, but what you had was just a stuffed turkey breast. It wasn't a whole turkey that was stuffed, correct? That's true, but I feel like this might be like the gateway into a, a full stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stacy's gone full donkey over here. Yeah. Um, I hear you, Matt. I hear you. No. I think Stacy's going to be offering her own retraction later on, so uh, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. It is in a, it's a... It's not a retraction. It is an addendum. An addendum. <laughs> an addendum to how you were wrong. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> okay. Does this have something to do with the the turd stuffing that comes out of the turkey that we talked about? Yeah. Well, yeah. No. I mean, we'll talk about it right now. Um, I had Jeremy's turkey. Uh, we'll talk about the details of that later. Hold on. Hold on. A direct quote from Stacy earlier. As I was cutting the turkey open, she goes, "Yeah, my mom's are never that juicy." <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so her turkey is not dry, and it's juicy. But Jeremy's had pools of yeah. juice. He would slice into it, and it was literal pools of juice. Even, I think it even squirted on him a couple of times. So, but how much of that juice is getting absorbed into the stuffing whenever you've got stuffing in there? Like, I think that's of one of the big advantages is that you're yeah, right. But it's not like taking it away. That's like, what I'm where saying. That juice just gets left on the plate. You actually have like a, a vehicle to consume it and You're enjoy right. it when yeah. the stuffing is there. Because I oh. stand by the fact that my mom's turkey me. is not dry. It's delicious. Well, once I slice up the turkey, though, like I don't just leave that on the cutting board. I pour that over the turkey on the on the dish that was holding the turkey so that can reabsorb some of those juices and stuff. Mm. But uh, w- w- we'll get into the uh, the finer mechanics of that later yeah. in, into the pot. Oh, it's going to be a throwdown. It's going to be great. Well, no, the throwdown already <laughs> happened. I mean, the, I, the I bottom line. Won. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> now it's just cleaning up. Bottom line is we, her turkey is not dry. It's very juicy and delicious, and her stuffing is done and amazing. And bottom line, Jeremy has a delicious, moist, juicy turkey. 
Noah. So I, w- I want to ask Matt about this stuff, turkey breast. He said it was three pounds. You did it at 375 in the smoker. About how long did that take you? Uh, it took me close to two hours to really get oh. it to where it was temping evenly, but mm-hmm. much faster than I've ever cooked like a regular turkey, you know, other than, so I'll say I normally fry my turkeys and that's a pretty quick process, but anytime I've ever smoked a turkey, it's been a long process. I wonder if you could deep fry one of those stuffed turkey breasts. Oh, a hundred percent game to try that. Ooh, that that was stuffing Because it has that netting on it. So I think it would like hold together. Well, oh. that, would well be that was interesting. one of the things I, I liked so much about this is, so I did it in my, my pellet cooker. Mm-hmm. There's quite a bit of convection in there, you know, the air moving through the cooker and the skin crisped up really nice on the outside of the Turkey. And also like that top layer of stuffing got kind of crunchy too. Mm. Oh, Man, yeah. So good. I wish that I had some gravy to pour over it. That was really all I was missing. And for the you guys that are listening, um, you can get those at HaltemanPhillyMeats.com. If you use code RELOAD, they give you a quite like 15% off yep. discount on that. It's perfect if you're just feeding a family of four, five, six, whatever, and you mm-hmm. want to grab a couple of those and then put more time into your sides. That's done for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to cook ours up. I know. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it sounded really good. Hey, that, Matt, yeah. b- before we go to the rest of our catch-up, uh, we're going to let you get out of here, but we're going to send you on your way with a very special toast. Um, okay. We, we, we are sitting around the table here right now, and we have something very special we're going to send you off to the hospital with. Can you guess what it is from the last podcast? So you know, so you know where we're recording, and you know our story from the last podcast. Oh, is this the old Fitz? It's yeah. the old the Fitz. The old Fitz with the Diet Coke cap on it. Uh, <laughs> this is the antique bottle, the old Dusty. We're going to try it out. It's over si- 35 years old. Over 35 years old. We're going to send you off to the hospital with this one here. That's right. I'm oh. so I'm so glad that you guys had me on so that I could listen to you drink really old, delicious bourbon. It's really good. It, it's just very low proof, and it ta- watery. It tastes like nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's literally <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> I used to like think nothing. this was like battery acid in my mouth. Hold on, it's, I'm getting like a salted caramel taste off of it. I get no burn. Yeah, it's very low proof. I thought sitting in that bottle for 35 years it, it might up the proof. No, it's not bad. Not bad. No, this this tastes like like chewing on notebook paper. <laughs> Matt, m- m- may your delivery be as good as this bourbon was. Hopefully <laughs> <laughs> it's much better from the sounds of it. But I will say, uh, Noah, thanks again for coming on. Uh, I can't wait to hear the delicious uh, uh, discussion that you bring to the podcast. I'm also really looking forward to hearing the Matt's musics that you're going to bring and Reload recommends. So I hope that I didn't just remind you of that for the first time when you're sitting there like, oh, crap. Hopefully you've got some stuff planned out. But uh, <laughs> looking forward to hearing the shows. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, yeah, you guys have a good one. I'll keep you up to date on uh, the delivery progress. We love you, Matt. We love you. Good love luck. You, Matt. Love you guys. Love See y'all. you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Farr, everybody. He will be missed for the time being. But All right. So just go ahead. I'm just saying we have an excellent, excellent replacement for the time being. Hey, big shoes to fill, but I'm going to do the best I can. Well, if a man with a sweater like that, you can't fail. Uh, Speaking of excellent, though, um, Cheeky and I have actually been working on a secret project that you guys don't know about. You (gasps) sons of... Yeah, we're not going to debut it yet. Uh, it's it's going to come out this week. You guys are going to be surprised by it. Uh, the listeners will have already seen it. It'll be on Cheeky and I's Instagrams. Uh, we co-named it um, Operation Five Finger Death Punch uh, because it, it's it, it involves five animals. We're going to stuff a chicken inside of a duck, inside of a turkey, inside of a pig, inside of a cow, and cook it all at once. 
Um, whole carcasses, so, yeah, right? Whole carcasses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to try and get a smoker to fit that on. Uh, but yeah, some something secret we're working on. You're going to see it on Instagram. It's We're codenaming it Five Finger Death Punch. That's okay. amazing. So uh, so you'll get to see that pretty soon. Well, what is your Five Finger Death Punch, Noah? What are your five fingers wrapped around right now? What you drinking? This dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, well, I've got a myriad of beverages here because I, I needed to make sure I was prepared. So I've got a, a beer uh, from 10 Barrel Brewing Company out here in Central Oregon. Oh, It is called uh, Nature Calls. Okay. I don't know if okay. that's true. There it is. It's called a Mountain IPA, which is something they totally made up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's basically a cross. What they, what they market it as is a cross between a, a East Coast IPA and... Um, a West coast IPA. So a little bit of that hazy flavor to it, but still a little bit more hoppy than some of the hazies that are out. Sounds right about my um, Nice. That's a uh, kind of my mouthwash to get that toothpaste taste out of my mouth. And then the real one is I wanted to bring this on. It's the rare breed barrel proof. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I picked this one because Matt is such a big fan of the rare breed rye that you guys have talked about on the show. Uh, I've seen that once or twice, but I haven't picked it up yet. Uh, but obviously if you can tell this bottle is almost empty, which tells you how much I've enjoyed, uh, this rare breed barrel proof, it is 116.8 proof. So definitely enough at 10 30 in the morning, my time to wake me up. <laughs> uh, but it's a delicious pour and kind of my little homage to Matt there, uh, since he's such a fan of the rye. There you go. Now, Cheeky, do you drink your bourbon neat or do you put any type of ice splash of water? What do you, how do you do it? Um, yeah, it, it depends on, it depends on the, the bourbon. Um, I mean, I've got, uh, uh, this little glass that Stacy, I always love hearing you pronounce. So, Glenn uh, <laughs> so I'm just doing it neat now, but there's, you know, occasionally I'll drop like a, an ice cube in it, or I've got like the bigger sphere ones that melt yeah. a little bit slower. Um, so they're not fully diluting it. If it's like a higher proof bourbon, but there you go. yeah, I'll take, I, I don't discriminate. I'll take it any way I can get it. There you go. I've, I've said that before. That's <laughs> <laughs> our, all of our, t- our tender profiles. All right, Jeremy, what are you, what are you sipping on brother? Or have you sipped on it yet? I have not sipped on it yet. Uh, this is the Oak and Eden you guys talked about on the last episode. Um, yeah. What is the name of, of this particular one? Wheat and Spire. Wheat and Spire. It's a French, it's finished French oak. It has a finished French oak stave inside of the, or spiral inside of the bottle. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it last time. So I'm going to try this for the first time. So right? Noah, um, since you didn't, you weren't on the last one, uh, this was my Reload Recommends was this bottle. And so this is a 90 proof two-year-old bourbon. Okay. Mm. And, but they take a, a small five inch long spiraled, you know, piece of oak, French oak, and they drop it in the bottle after they bottle it. So it's, it's soaking all that up in the bottle. So it's only a two-year-old, but it's darker than some 15 year olds than I've ever Oh yeah, yeah. I just tried to hold it up to the camera. I forgot that we're on like a different camera, so that didn't even look right. <laughs> it almost show, looks like rum. I'm gonna yes, show them. It's incredibly dark. Uh, just taking that bottle. Um, it's incredibly dark for uh, for only a two year old uh, bourbon, but it's very tasty and only ninety proof. Oh yeah, and they've got the the oak is just in the bottle right there. Yeah, that's yeah interesting. Uh, very interesting. I, I, 
I would pick up a bottle if you guys have this out in Oregon. Um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's, it's a fun drink. I'm going to grab a bottle of this. This is, this is good. And so, it makes me want to try Oak and Eden's other um, varieties because mm-hmm. this is interesting. It's different. It's not like anything else. Yeah. See, I, I love different bourbons. Yeah. Which they say like 90% of the taste of a bourbon comes from the barrel that it's in. And this, in, in, to, be, to be a bourbon, it has to be a charred new American oak. It can't be a French oak barrel. And this has French oak in it. So it's a very different taste. Mm-hmm. You, you get that dryness though. Mm-hmm. It's very dry. Yeah. And, yeah. and very oaky. And it's got a great finish. It's But smooth. Smooth. Mm-hmm. Definitely smooth at the front. Oh, yeah. So finished bourbons, like, uh, I mean, I know you guys have talked about like the new Elijah Craig toasted barrel, mm-hmm. um, obviously Michter's, which I want to talk about a little bit later has done toasted stuff for a long time. I know you guys all really liked that angels envy. Um, the fin- yeah. The, I can't, the, the rum I can't remember what it was finished in rum barrels, uh, Caribbean rum. Casks. rum barrel. mm-hmm. That's right. Are, are, where are you guys at with that? Do you guys like the, these finished I do. whiskey bourbon products or do you think it's a gimmick or what? It's, it's depends for me. Um, because some of them I don't like, I like that angels envy the maple rum cask. It's good. It's not one that I want to drink all the time. Stacy, that's her, her guilty pleasure. Um, but I've got, you know, a bottle of Jim B masterpiece that was finished in sherry cask. So I think it depends on what it's finished in mm-hmm. like for me, but I do like that. I like, I like bourbons that are different because you get so many that are run of the mill, like that are just, you know, you know, corn, barley, rye, or corn, barley, and and um, and malt, whatever it is. But so you get kind of those same notes off a lot of bourbon. So when you get something that's a little bit outside the box, it's just fun. So for instance, yeah. with me, the other night we decided since we had sold our house and everything, we were gonna we cooked up some uh, Haltman filet mignons and uh, lobster tails. And as I was as we were cooking, you know, we we decided that we were gonna celebrate. We're gonna go all out and stuff like that. So Joel said, why don't you pour a really nice pour of yours? Which to me, the the bottle that I'm rationing, that's like my one of my favorite pours is the Angels Envy finished in the, now you can find them finished in port wine casks. That's a lot cheaper. Um, you spend a little bit more, you get it in the Caribbean rum casks. So that's kind of like mine that is a splurge for me. And so Joel was like, well, let's go ahead and pour you a glass of that. For me, while I was cooking, I wanted something that was a little bit more crisp, something that I could just sip on, messing in the kitchen or whatever. But then we were going to take a midnight ride on the golf cart through the neighborhood with some tunes. Then I was ready for that Angel's Envy. So I think there's a time and a place for those finished ones. It's not something that you're going to just sip on for a few hours throughout the evening. It's one that you're just going to sit down and enjoy that one glass. Yeah. Nice. Well, I am sipping on the Smooth Ambler uh, single barrel rye that we had on the porn on the podcast a few episodes ago. And, um, I tell you what, every time I go back to this, I get something different. Uh, you know, Noah, you don't know, but a buddy of mine, we call him wildcat Matt. Um, the last time I saw him, he, we were talking about this particular whiskey and, um, he was saying that he, we all had got like a lemon citrusy, like a lemon head, lemon warhead type vinegary. Yeah. Pickly, that kind of stuff off of it. Um, he was like, no, him and his wife were like, no, it's spearmint. Like and, the little green and white candies. Or like, or like, you know, spearmint, double mint gum, that kind of stuff. So I, uh, came back to it and, and I don't know how much of this stuff is just a damn placebo. Cause I get it in my brain and I'm, I'm getting that spearmint note off of it. Now. Are you guys drinking from the same barrel? That's it's a single barrel. Bourbon, oh, it right? is. Yeah, yeah. Cause they got it at Bob's too. They got it yeah. at Bob's. Okay. So yep. it's a barrel pick. Okay. So same, yeah. same one. Same one. Okay. But. But I do get it though. I get that spearmint flavor off of it now. 
I still get dill. That's what I'm getting. Dill. So, Cheeky, you said uh, earlier before we started recording, you had uh, some uh, special bourbon thing knowledge you were going to drop. Yeah, well, just as part of like a recap, I had uh, an exciting bottle find this past week. Oh. And uh, in relation to that, there was also an article that came out um, by Fred Minnick. Yep. I assume um, we all know who that is. I know Matt's not uh, a huge Fred Minnick fan. I, I know he's kind of controversial in the bourbon world, but definitely, uh, if nothing else, is very opinionated and has some connections there. So if you are interested, you can look on Minnick's website and uh, just last week he has an article and the title of the article is Michter's has Pappy in its crosshairs. What? What is that? Little bit of a surprise for me to hear. But what he was doing is he basically was tracking auctions at, oh, I should have been more prepared to know where the auction site was. But anyway, there was a a Michter's 25-year age, which I didn't realize they do a 20 and a 25. Mm -hmm. And the 25-year sold for $7,500 at auction, uh, which is surpassing the prices of what people are paying for the Pappy 23-year family reserve. Mm Mm-hmm. And so apparently in the, the Showtime show Billions, I guess Michter's has been like a huge product placement throughout that show. Uh, and that has like in, in Wall Street and all this finance world has like driven all of these prices for Michter's through the roof, which is fascinating. But uh-huh. I've been a big fan of the bourbon and uh, I also have their rye. I found their American whiskey. Uh, all relatively, you know, about $45, $46 bottle bourbons, nothing too outrageous. I mean, definitely pricier, but not too outrageous. But I read that article last week, uh, and then just last week, their 10-year bourbon, which is extremely hard to find, is about a $125 bottle. I was able to find and secure one last week, and that wow. uh, was a was a bourbon hunt I was extremely excited about. So Michter's 10-year. A Michter's tenure. Yeah. yeah. So, so we've had Michter's. We've been to their distillery. We went to their distillery. It was a great and, tour. And it was, it was it good. It was a good tour. It was good. But I mean, like, I just, I, I, I'm kind of baffled that they are this popular and going for this much. Like, it was a good pour. And you tell me, Cheeky, because obviously you're drinking it more than we are. Um, I wasn't when we went to the, the the tour. I mean, it was it was fun, but I wasn't like blown away with their bourbons. We've also come a long way too. This is true. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, I don't watch the show Billion, so I wasn't like on that um, on that track of you know trying to trying to live up to whatever's hot right now. But I really enjoy just their regular bourbon. For some reason, it's it's a really hard bourbon to find. Like it's not incredibly expensive, but when it hits the shelf, if you're not there within a day or two of the shipment coming in, it's gone. Uh, and I also, I mean, for the viewers, I know we all know this, but I live in Oregon, which is a liquor controlled state, and so oh yeah, uh, every everything goes to a warehouse that a state run liquor commission controls, and then they decide how that gets allocated out to all the liquor stores across the state. But the advantage is I get to pay MSRP stuff's just usually a little bit harder to find. Yeah. I want to be, I want to have that job. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> uh, cheeky. Have, have you cracked that 10 year open yet? Or are you saving it for a special occasion? 
No, I mean, I'm not really in the band of saving bottles for special occasions because, I mean, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, right? And like, I love that. And then you never taste it. I'm going to regret not opening it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you'd be, be up there with the Lord Jesus going, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the bourbon situation like up here? I haven't opened it yet, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I definitely... I mean, there's some stuff coming down the pipeline relatively soon that might make it worth sitting on for a little bit, but mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's not going to get too much dust on my shelf before I crack it open for sure. There That's you go. awesome. Yeah. Wouldn't it be awesome if you went to heaven and then like, yeah, you, you get any, and you can take you your want. shelf with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything you want. Yeah. That's right. But, but I mean, like you don't get like drunk, you just get like a little buzz. So it's fun still, but you can still taste as much as you want. That's my heaven right there. There you go. All right, so outside of uh, bourbon, there's there's a beer that I'm seeing everybody post about that people are buying up by the cases, and it's Yingling Hershey. Have y'all seen that? I have, yeah. I wanted to try it. She wanted me to get some today, but uh, we were running run a little tight on time, getting over and getting set up. So He said, no woman. I said, listen here. Have you tried it, Cheeky, or seen it? Um, no, so I've, I've heard of it. If I recall correctly, Yingling, I think is the largest considered the largest microbrewery in the country and oldest and oldest, but they don't distribute anywhere out West. It's purely, uh, on the, on the East coast <gasps> Oh, really? so you? Okay. or I should say Eastern U S I think huh. they're starting to look at distribution coming out West, but yeah, we don't get any of that out here. Huh? I like how you held that up. Phone up for him when it's like literally five, six feet away from the it's camera. Little, it's little it's like, and it's tiny. Can you see this one over here? Yeah. We got kind of an odd setup here, people that are listening right now. I've got a, a tripod <laughs> with a webcam on it and everything so we can get cheeky in here. So we're tucked in tight. I double as a webcam model on the side, so That's, it works well, out pretty well. Is it well. fans only or? Only fans. Only fans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I keep getting it wrong. Yeah, yeah, I do too, but I really don't care. $3 a month. <laughs> Something yeah. I wanted to talk about was, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it yet, but it was a video of these sandwiches getting gone, going down like a conveyor belt and it was getting mayonnaise squirted on it. What? Uh, El Dente Diva posted about it. Uh, Matt Gork. Yes, through the upcoming uh, machinery. Listen, just listen. For this sandwich, a jizz of mayonnaise is required, which is squirted onto the bread via an automated dispenser. <laughs> a jizz of mayonnaise. <laughs> so I was talking to T about this, and she said, "How like for one, I'm always when I make you a sandwich. Now I'm gonna say, you want a jizz of mayonnaise? You want a jizz of mustard?" Oh. I think jizz oh. is specific to mayonnaise. I'm gonna start asking you that when we go okay. to bed at night. Oh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a unit of measurement referring to mayonnaise. I think okay. is what it is. So for real? No. No, that's so wrong. Why do I believe you all the time? I don't so, know. So T brought up something awesome. Like we need to have an internet challenge where you go to some <laughs> restaurant, or you go to fast food, and be like, "Yeah, I'd like a number two combo with a jizz of mayonnaise." <laughs> Hold the pickles. I'll do it. I don't give a shit. A I'll, jizz you, you of need, mayo. You need to go to like Subway where you're like looking them in the eyes That's and be it. like, I want a jizz of mayo. <laughs> I want to look them right in the eyes as you're saying it. I want an extra jizz of light mayo, please. What are they thinking? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to stab you. <laughs> the what, who, who is that now? Is I don't know. A, it's a video going on. Some news reporter used that as an actual unit of measurement. Uh, jizz of mayo. Okay. It sounded like one of those like how it's made videos or something. Mm -hmm. Yes, it did. Yeah, that's move, what it looked like. What are we moving on to? What's, what's up next? As long as it's Dukes, it's okay, right? A jizz of yeah. Dukes. You can jizz Dukes all you want. That's right. Hey, Joel, sure. if you jizz Dukes, then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I need to eat some more of that. 
Okay. Um, Dukes, love you. I thought that, I thought when I was reading your outline, I thought it said, you know, we're talking about giblet gravy. I didn't realize I had a glance. Jizz it was jizz. No. Not giblet gravy. Jizz, jizz mayo. <laughs> no, but you know, it's, we're getting close to time to talk about turkey. Um, something that we talked about in the last episode was some of our traditions for Thanksgiving. You know, for me, like something that I eat just to catch you up on it, Cheeky, is um, I like radishes dipped in gravy with salt sprinkled on them. Super, super unique or whatever. Um, but what does Thanksgiving look like for you? Are you typically going to other people's houses and, um, them being the host or are you guys, uh, cooking a lot oh, yeah. at home? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, the holidays have certainly evolved. Um, you know, I, I come from a family, my, my parents are divorced, so that always makes things a little bit tricky. And then my fiance's parents are divorced too. So or families, uh, bro. Yes. Yeah. So we tried, we used to try to jam like two or three Thanksgivings into one day and it just was not happening. Like no one was happy. It was not fun. Um, you're, you know, you're there, you're looking at your clock the entire time. So we kind of decided like, Hey, we're all adults now. Yeah. Thanksgiving's great, but really what matters most is just getting together with the people that you love and celebrating. Right. And that doesn't necessarily have, have to happen on a Thursday. Yep. So we, uh, we try to do a little bit bigger family gathering the last couple of years we've hosted here because, uh, I've been the one that's wanted to kind of take the reins on cooking. So yeah. that is probably what we'll do again this year. Uh, and then, you know, we try to kind of just get that family time extended onto, you know, black Friday and over the weekend. And so it's kind of fun. Cause you end up getting, you know, three or four different meals out of it and, uh, you can switch things up. So that's, that's kind of what we do. It's, it's always evolving, but I feel like, unfortunately, that's kind of the modern, you know, holiday celebrations for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you do, you are familiar with cooking Turkey. I've cooked a bird or two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's got him under his belt. He got the head really, a really nice vegan bird that he, uh, um, a tofurkey. A tofurkey mm. that he was talking about the other day. The tofurkey roast. You're a big yeah. fan yeah. of those, aren't you? Mm. It's hearty, hearty and festive. Festivus. Holiday like Festivus for the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. We sit around, we air each other's grievances. It's great. It's great. Any Thanksgiving traditions for you? Any odd things that you're like, you know what? It better be on the table. Anything unique? Not really. No, we're, we're kind of traditional. I mean, I guess the one thing is I, I always try to accompany some sort of beef into what we're doing. And I know we can like dig into that a little bit more too, but, uh, last year I did a a rack of, you know, dino short ribs, hopefully short ribs. And I think that's going to be on the menu again this year. So that's definitely a little bit different and kind of appeases the barbecue crowd. Jeremy has been bitching about turkey since he walked in the damn door. He's not a big he, turkey fan. And he hates it. If he had his way, there would be no turkey at Thanksgiving. How do you feel about that? Look, we'll, we'll get into it when we get into the turkey, okay? Ah, fine. I, I do have a question. One more question before we lead into the break. Do you serve cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving? He's Yes. Oh, All right. Never mind. Not out of the can. I'm sorry. Stevie. Thank God. Thank God. Damn it. I, I was about to hang up on your call here if you said yes. <laughs> Boom. Uh, it's so good. It's, Matt. Not, it's not that hard to make. Just no, make it's your not. own. Yeah, but it's, it's so just easy. nostalgic. Matt Farr, that's what he likes too. He said if it's not shaped like the can, he doesn't want it. It's because he's making <laughs> 37 turkeys. Yes. And, uh, 
But I mean, I, I have some here today that I was going to whip out, but I decided not to torture you, Jeremy. I figured you would. I was surprised you didn't. <laughs> I do. I have some. I just didn't open it. I we thought, need, well, I won't torture him. I think that's a Southern thing. I really do. I think that it's, think whipping uh, the, the canned cranberry is just legit a Southern thing. I'm, I'm not Southern. Well, I'm, well, I guess that's... that's I'm good. pretty damn Southern, and I don't no, care No, Florida it, doesn't so. count as being Southern. I am from... That, bo- is, that bo- is... I am from below the South, okay? Under the equator. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's a, there's a cutoff right there at the Florida panhandle. All right, so we're getting close to Thanksgiving. I think it's time that we take a break, and when we get back, we're going to talk the main star, the main star of the holiday, Turkey. <laughs> So we are back from the break. We are diving straight into turkey and all things turkey. And what better thing to start off with was buying the damn turkey. So if you're not going to go online and purchase one from Haltman Family Meats using reload coupon discount code, uh, you're going to go to the grocery store. You can get a frozen one or you can get one that's already thawed out. But what does purchasing your turkey look like, guys? Uh, you exchange money in uh, in exchange for that turkey. Oh, thank you for that that exquisite description there. I Jamie. am here to enlighten, and that's all for this segment. We're going to run to so, a break. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> See you on the other side. No, I think with turkey, I think you got to. I think a lot of times you go there and you go, okay, how many people do I have? How big of a turkey should I get? Hold on, going back. You can buy a fresh turkey at the grocery store. I've only ever seen the frozen ones. I thought they have them in the little freaking. I don't. I don't grocery shop, bro. Oh yeah, th- those are all frozen. So if the, one, you, the ones in the little island. Area? Yeah, th- those are frozen. No, she, my, my mom she's sitting in that office right there says she never buys frozen ones. I've only I've only ever bought a frozen one. Have you bought a thought out one before, Hang Cheeky? On. Mom, come here, <laughs> mom. <laughs> Where's the meatloaf, <laughs> mom? There you go. Did they have fresh ones or ones that have been previously thro- fr- frozen thawed out. We're going to find out. We're going to look. We'll Either way, now, 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 okay. Thank you, mom. <laughs> if y'all don't oh, know, we're fresh living. market. Okay, so like the bougie grocery store. Oh, really? Huh. I think I've bought them before when I felt them fresh. So for those who well, don't no, know, while I'm yelling for mother. Not frozen is <laughs> not different frozen. from fresh because yeah. they can be previously frozen. Right. Yeah. That's uh, what, I can't, we can't test that, but you can't yeah. buy, you can't buy them thawed yeah so normally at thanksgiving we get our turkey from haltman um and then at different points of the year we might buy a turkey just to make you know turkey breasts for sandwiches and stuff like that and those are those are always frozen so for those of you who are wondering why i'm yelling for my mother is because right now me and stacy are living at my parents house while our house is you've had a tough turn of events that's now you're it. living at home again y'all really need to buy some reload investments. <laughs> bad investments in life yeah please buy some reload and help us out alright so uh, cue uh, the sick puppies I think, I think they call you the boomerang Couple, you, you went out and then you came back that's right, right? that's yeah. boomerang that's it that's what yep. we did we're gonna, we're gonna come back around don't worry uh, Noah you were gonna say something did you lose it or what's up about turkey being thawed no I think I, I was going to mention, I think if, depending on the grocery store you go to, I think there are some where you can place an order, like you can place an order now to receive a fresh turkey the week of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That comes in, but it's all pre-order based. The vast majority of people, myself included, are buying 
fro like previously frozen turkeys, whether they're frozen at the time I buy them or they were at one time out of that little, you know, Island, like you said, in the grocery store, that's what 90% of America, 99% of America is buying and cooking on Thanksgiving. Okay. The old butterball. So before we get to a little more deeper thoughts on frozen and thawing or buying it thawed or whatever, if I'm never cooked a turkey before and I am hosting Thanksgiving and let's say I got 15 people coming over, how big of a turkey do you guys think I should buy? How many pounds? Yeah. And is there any like, you know, to me, I, I really honestly don't know. Is there any difference in like a smaller turkey and then like a 20 plus pound turkey when flavor it comes wise? to like flavor and, and density and texture, stuff like that? Well, I mean, of course, they're all going to hook a little differently. But to answer Joel's question first, uh, I would say one to two pounds per guest. Okay. Uh, and that would be a turkey heavy dinner. So if you've got a dozen people. Ooh, that seems over, like a lot. Well, you, so there's bone and carcass. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, say you're going to lose a lot of water weight when you cook it. Uh, you're going to lose all the bones. You're going to lose all the carcass. And Gizzard. of course, like, you know, you're going to want a little bit of leftovers for the next day, which we'll get into that in a future podcast. But, um, if you're going to have a dozen people over, I would look for something in the 18 pound range. That's a pound and a half per person. Take the bones out, take all the stuff out. You know, someone's going to get those legs that, and everything. Yeah. And that's not a pound and a half of consumed meat. That's not a pound and a half. Meat. You know, that's a pound and a half on the turkey. Bird. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and would you rather buy a one large bird or would you rather do two smaller birds to get there? Good question. Uh, personally, I, uh, 18 pounds is not crazy. I would be comfortable with anything under 20 pounds. Uh, but it, it, if you're going to have like a ton of people coming over, it's better to split it up into two than to get some big old 36 pound bird or something like that. Um, <laughs> That's a toddler. <laughs> well, we my can, kid, my kid's four anyway. Can you imagine like actually seeing a 36 pound turkey I would live run. on the foot? I've heard of like upwards of 30 pound turkeys before, but, uh, there's an upper limit for what that, that, that turkey's body can hold. And if it gets that big, you know, some, you know, some steroids were involved. A hundred percent. All right. But if you're cooking two smaller turkeys, then if you don't have two ovens, you know, then, then you need to look at getting a roaster, like one of those, uh, roaster pan electric things or use your smoker or frying. Well, There's all these different options. Well, let's get into that here in a minute. I want to talk about the thawing process. Yeah, so, we need to talk about thawing. Real, real quick because let's I go buy a turkey. It's ass is frozen. Um, what are we looking at for how long I need to, to prep ahead of time? What's prep on that turkey for Thanksgiving Day? I would say at least three days in the fridge that turkey needs to thaw properly. Yeah. And this is one of the advantages of like- In a, cheek in a, a on something, so is it going to leak juices or anything? It depends on how well it was packaged. So say, safely. Sa sa safely, whenever you're thawing anything in your fridge, it should be on some sort of pan or something just in case the yeah. off chance that it does leak and the packaging is messed up. But I was going to say uh, the point, uh, um, if you can get one of those things like Cheeky was saying, where uh, you can order a fresh turkey, or if you're ordering from Haltzman, you're getting a fresh turkey. So that thing never really needs to spend three days in your fridge taking out just a, a crap ton of space when you're trying to prep for a, a huge meal. So that's one of the big advantages of getting that fresh turkey the day before Thanksgiving. So three days in the fridge um is enough because i know a lot of times we'll thaw in water um i guess that goes a little quicker but, but three not, full days for a whole bird mm -hmm. yeah three okay. three whole days to, to properly thaw okay. out a turkey so uh if you're getting a frozen one 
you're going to, you know, for, for a Thursday, you're going to want to make sure you get that thing by Monday. Yeah. Uh, don't be going on Wednesday thinking it's going to be thawed out <laughs> by the next day. Otherwise you're going to have a, a very unevenly cooked Turkey. Cause it's going to be pretty frozen. In the you're you're going to be filling up your damn bathtub and hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. So, Hair dryer. All right. Just so, kidding. so we get, yeah. So we get the Turkey. Um, it's thawed out. We're ready to rock and roll. We take it out of the fridge. It's thawed out. Next step we're going to be doing, in my opinion, is we're going to pad that sucker dry. We're going to dry it off as much as possible. Why? Well, we've got to do a brine. Well, okay. Well, what if you're not brining? Have, we we had not got to screw the that one up. Well, uh, no, not everybody has to brine. You yes, don't have to, you yes, don't have you to do. brine. Yes, you do. Cheeky, what is your opinion <laughs> on a brine? So if I'm going to smoke a turkey, I'm always going to prefer to brine it, you know, 24 hours, 12 hours, however long you can, the night before. but I think it's really important for people to make sure that if you're going to the grocery store, like we said, like most of the people are, and you're buying it in that bag, you need to look at the ingredients and see if that bird has already been soaking in some sort of saline solution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if it already has been and you brine it, you might not be happy with the results that you're going to have because it's, it's already been in a salted solution basically since it was, you know, processed and put, in the bag. So that's my, my only tip is just make sure you read that packaging really well. And if it's already been in a saline solution, I'm probably okay. Not brining it. Uh, but if it's a fresh bird and it's never been introduced to anything like that, I'm a huge fan of putting a brine solution together and at a minimum putting that in overnight the night before I'm going to cook it. Okay. Exactly. Now in our group chat the other day, uh, Stacy, you said you knew all the technical definitions behind a brine and you wanted to go into the science of that. I did not. You did. <laughs> I, I said that. I, I tried to talk about a brine. You said, I know what a brine is. And so you said you wanted to talk about it on the podcast and, break give, that. I never said that. and, and give us that technical definition yeah. and go, go into the, the, the deep science behind what a brine is. Uh, Stacy, the floor is yours. She's no. going to break that tubo chico <laughs> off over this table I am. And, and, and gut you with it. No, it's an osmosis type of property type thing that it does and Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. salt pulls the water yes it makes for a juicier more flavorful more tender bird by adding salt that seems strange no no No, it doesn't it's osmosis yeah jeremy don't you did you go didn't you go to high school by by adding salt to the turkey you're going to add more flavor more juice to it to the brine to the brine yeah yes he's about to get hurt yeah, that's actually exactly. What I it feel does. like I'm watching. Uh, Bill, Bill <laughs> but this is what Jeremy does: is he tries to mind fuck you with, with with like he knows you're right, but he's like, "Are you really right? Are you? Are so you red pill blue behind that? Red pill, blue pill. Which but one is he's it? gonna get hurt? There he's is no pill. No, uh, Stacy's exactly right. The technical definition of a brine is just um, salt dissolved into a liquid <laughs> like water, and uh, soaking the turkey in there for 24 hours, uh, 12 to 24 hours. That salt is gonna penetrate into the turkey break down the proteins which means when you cook it when it when it experiences the heat inside of whatever cooker you're using uh th- those muscles don't tense up as much and they don't release as much juice allowing them to hold on to the juice for longer mm-hmm. and making a more tender and a more flavorful more juicy turkey it's kind of the idea behind the the brine so, and a brine can look different too like yes. some people will add you know some people will just do the water and the salt um some mm-hmm. people add sugar brown sugar maple syrup um herbs aromatics garlic onion carrots i mean it goes it's like all over a, the board something that's like making a damn soup now what we always do is we add fully loaded we do water salt sugar and fully loaded um you can use brown sugar you can use white sugar just doesn't matter. Um, and then we add a shit ton 
a fully loaded and you know, there's sea salt in there that helps as well with the salt properties to it. Um, and adds a lot of flavor, but fully loaded inherently is low sodium. So it's not killing it unless you go too much. So just, just to clarify, you guys are talking about a wet brine. Yes. Uh, so do you guys brine. ever dry brine your birds? No. And tell me more about that. Cause I don't know anything about it. Well, I, th- I think the dry brine, I mean, the, the science behind it is essentially the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you're, you know, going through a process where you're, you're salting whatever protein in this case, we're talking Turkey, but you can do it with beef. You can do it with brisket. You can, that's why, you know, a lot of the barbecue restaurants are cracking open the cryovac on their briskets, seizing, seasoning them for 12 hours before they hit the smoker. Mm-hmm. And you're basically allowing that protein to go through uh, diffusion, right? So the salt dro- draws moisture out of the meat and as that moisture gets reabsorbed back into the meat, it pulls that salt and that seasoning inside of it to go through the process. Like Jeremy was talking about where you're breaking down the protein, you're introducing more moisture inside the meat. Uh, wet. And the only reason I bring it up is because like I usually for birds, I do wet brining, but sometimes it's a pain in the ass. Like you've got to find a, a food safe container to put it in. Most people don't recommend using a five gallon bucket, although I've definitely been guilty of that. Uh, you get a brine bag, which helps if you throw it in a cooler, but you know, especially before a big holiday, I don't have a lot of space in the refrigerator. So if I'm trying to brine a bird inside the refrigerator, man, that takes up a lot of space. Yeah. But a, a dry brine, it could be a little bit easier. Just kind of heavy, heavy salt on that thing. Let it sit, you know, for like that 12 hours or maybe go lighter on the salt for 24 hours. Uh, I've heard mixed reviews. I, Are I don't you know rinsing? if you guys have opinions on it. Are you rinsing with that one? With that so, one? so you would rinse it before you would cook it pat it dry really well. And then, you know, go ahead and put your, your butter and your seasoning or olive oil, whatever you would, you know, you'd follow your normal process at that point. All right. I have heard that one of the advantages of the dry brine, especially with the turkey, is that it actually helps dry out the skin to help get a crispier skin on it, opposed to a, a wet brine. Have you ever experienced with that, Cheeky? Yeah, because I think what I've heard most people do is they'll they'll do it and then uh, you just put it, I like to put it on a sheet, like a half sheet pan yeah. with a, um, like a baking rack in there. So mm-hmm. it can, you know, all the liquid can drain and then I put it, uh, uncovered in the fridge. And so if you do that for overnight, Oh, you know, you do that for 12 hours overnight, that, uh, dry environment in the fridge helps kind of dry that skin out. Plus yeah. you're getting the advantage of the brine and then you rinse that all off and, and then you go kind of follow the rest of your steps from there. Yeah, a refrigerator is a naturally a dehydrator and stuff, so that'll really help pull that moisture out of there. I mean, see, Joel, that is exactly why I spent all that money on that Yeti bucket. Uh, you're right. So we can oh, brine a turkey. It's an excellent brining bucket. What was it, a $100 brining bucket? Uh, it yeah. was 60 bucks. Okay. <laughs> Wait, is, is that made from a different plastic than every other five-gallon bucket? <laughs> yes, it's a it's polymer space material. Oh, it is? Yeah, yep, it's from the moon. Uh, it's it's only for really good. classy, and they, bougie it's people. It's the only reason that I as bougie as you are. her by. In the... Uh, <laughs> Listen, my birds get all the care. I can't even keep it up. Spending more than $3 on a bucket is just fucking dumb. Um, No, my birds get special care. That's right. They get the best. It's got that that rubber seal on the top, so nothing gets Mm. out. And then you can sit on it while you brine. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, Um, I do brine my- I sit on on my birds anyway, so- (laughs) You sit on the bucket. The Yeti bucket has a nice little lid. No, no, on the actual bird, gasket. it helps it helps compress the bird a little bit. It's kind of like spatchcocking, yeah. but it's like a modified spatchcock Ooh, method. That's it a makes good them way to feel more one. in their native environment. Yeah, yeah I've um, got I've got a hairy bird. You can you know 
let's spatchcock a turkey and I'll sit my butt on it <laughs> and break it, break its breastbone. All right. So before we move on from this, we got wet brine, dry brine. What about injecting the turkeys? Ooh. My sister used to do, she would come up with her own like Creole butter type um, mixture. And she, she did like a, a, a spicy seasoning on the outside, but mm -hmm. she would inject that entire bird and then she would deep fry it. Uh, we, oh, and, peanut oil. And peanut oil. Yeah, which we'll get into frying here in a little bit, but it was, the her turkeys mm -hmm. were always super moist, yep. juicy, and that flavor really permeated through because uh, they, they, they plumped that sucker up. So what do you guys, have y'all ever done that? What do you guys think about that? I personally don't inject my turkeys just because I have the time to do a brine on them. Yeah. But uh, an injection is, it, you're going to yield similar results to a brine. It's just uh, you're taking out the element of time, T-I-M-E, not T-H-Y-M-E. Um, and I think it's a very important part of cooking. So yeah. it's just kind of a, something shortcut. different. Maybe a shortcut. Yeah, a little bit of a shortcut. Yeah. But I mean, I guess, but using like butter, I mean, that's, come on, you can't, it's hard to screw that up. Yeah, and like the purpose of an injection over the purpose of a brine, a brine is having a, a chemical process, breaking down the proteins. A brine is literally injecting that stuff in there and then keeping it in because you're going to immediately cook it afterwards. Yes, and yeah. because this was not a, uh, this was the day of mm -hmm. injection. Yeah, of. oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe the night before, I, I don't know, but anyway. I think it was the day. I think it was the day. Usually injections are right before. Yeah. 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 All right, so what's next on the rundown, Stace? Well, do you guys want to talk about the turkey that we ate today? Yeah, that sounds good. I want to talk seasoning. At, at, as we walk yep. through this, what what I actually did, because we consumed a, uh, a Halton Family Meat Turkey right before this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, so yesterday morning, I, I did a bucket brine. Um, I used a five-gallon bucket, just like Cheeky loves to, to get that nice plasticky taste in there. Mm. Um, if you used a Yeti, you wouldn't have. It is a Yeti. It, it is one of those orange Yetis that says, says Home Depot on the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so that's what I use. Cause, uh, honestly, if you're that worried, you can, you can line it with a brining bag, uh, with a food safe material, but it's in there for such a short amount of time and it's very cold inside there. Yeah. So I, I, I am fine with it. And then I have a lid for mine. Uh, so what I do is, um, I, I go to the stove with it, with a pot of water, uh, about five, six cups of water. I put in a cup of kosher, kosher salt, a cup of brown sugar, and then a half a bottle of reload rub fully loaded, uh, yeah, half of the small bottle, bring that to a boil. So everything's dissolved, mixed together. I let that cool down. I pop that in the fridge. So it gets nice and cold again with all the, with all those solids dissolved into it. Uh, my Turkey goes into the five gallon bucket that I, that I've washed and scrubbed brand new bucket. That's been cleaned. Uh, I pour that in and then I pour enough water to cover the Turkey, give it a little mix, pour a bunch of ice in there with it. So it stays nice and cold. And where we live in Tennessee it's pretty cold in November. Yeah. So what I do is I actually put the turkey outside on my back deck. Uh, I have a lid that seals on top of there. Uh, I'll replace the ice every six hours or so, make sure it stays nice and cold in there. Uh, if your turkey's still a little bit frozen, it's fine because it's going to thaw out in that water that's sitting in there in that brine. Um, and, and that's what I do. 24 hours, it sits outside, uh, check the ice, make sure it stays nice and cold in there. And that's the first step. That's So you're doing it 24 hours before cook time? Yeah, I'll do a dry brine, uh, uh, 12 to 24 hours is what is, I'm sorry with the wet brine 12 to 24 hours. So I, I like to be on the 24 hour side. If I was going to do the dry brine, it'd be more like the eight to 12 hours. So not the harp on the brining thing, but do you all think there's a, uh, which I think there is, but I want to hear y'all's opinion. Do you think there's a thing as over brining? I mean, like if you break down the proteins and the muscles too much, you're going to have like mushy muscles. Well, no, I'm talking about on the saltiness factor. 
the the salt is kind of flavoring the turkey a little bit, but you're really not going to pick up a ton of flavors for the brine. It's really that chemical process of breaking down the proteins that you're after. So we've done some wild turkey before, mm-hmm. and we've done a straight. We've done gator. We've done uh, yes. guinea. So we, we did, but we did a fully loaded brine, mm-hmm. and then we seasoned with fully loaded. We got it out, rinsed it off, then seasoned with fully loaded. And the first time we did it, man, it was like we almost couldn't eat it. It how, was How long did you brine for mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't remember. 12 or 24 hours, probably. I, I don't think it was more than 12 hours. So you're, you're talking about wild game, which is uh, extraordinarily lean yeah. compared to farmed animals. Yeah. And that might be where, where yeah. it went wrong. And it didn't have and neither, like between the gator, the wild turkey legs, you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that. It They weren't plump, meaty, like animals. They yeah. were more. So I don't <laughs> plump. I love the way you pop your peas. Um, I would have thought, like, honestly, with something that doesn't have as much muscle mass as some of these, like, big birds, probably even less time brining. And that may have been yeah. too much for the size. Like, when I'm going to roast a chicken, which a chicken is going to be fattier than even the, the lean meat you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I don't brine it because it's, it, it's a much quicker cook. You know, the, the, the quicker the cook is, the less it's going to need mm-hmm. that, that wet brine to really there. Uh, a big, huge turkey, a 15-pound turkey, um, it cooks for so long that it has the opportunity of drying out, and that's where the brine really comes in key. Yeah, and but but the same thing with wild turkey. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has a lot, all those, like, like you go get a butterball turkey, and you can literally pick that leg up, and you can just bite it off, okay? Yeah. You go do try that with the wild game one, you got a big a bunch of freaking tendons that are going to be coming off in your mouth. Like there's a lot of things inside there to, that need to break down, yeah. um, which is why we suggested brining it. But, um, I don't know. I mean, I've, I'm not a brine expert. That's why I'm lean, leaning on you guys on this one. But it's, um, for me, I, my experience in brining, I have had those over brining moments. Cause you, I, to me, you have to season it after like the brine's not, like you said, the brine's not enough. The brine's, the brine's not, not the, the, the primary purpose of the brine is not flavoring. Right. Exactly. It's made to break things down, but there is, so you have to season it afterwards or to get some flavor on it. But that one, the time we did it, man, it was like, it was like, God, it was like chewing on salt. Yeah. I've had some wild turkey before and I probably wouldn't roast a wild turkey, uh, just cause there's not enough fat on it to get it flavorful. I would, I would make some sort of soup or something, something where I could braise in some sort of liquid to help hydrate it. Yeah. The best know. turkey we've had has been done like that. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. you're right. I think you're right. All okay. right. What's next? Okay. Next. Seasoning. What are you seasoning with? I think it's really important which types of seasonings, herbs that you're putting on your bird, you know, mm-hmm. as much as we all love, um, you know, Magnum, uh, Reload Magnum, you know, that core stuff. It's pretty simple. There's not many herbs in it. So for us, we typically choose for our birds fully loaded. So what other types of seasonings do you guys going with? Yeah, uh, to say today uh, we did the brine with the fully loaded, washed that off, and then seasoned with fully loaded on the outside. So it was about one small bottle of fully loaded for this turkey. And it looked beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But you haven't you done... Um no, that was a chicken. Never mind. I've done Magnum on chickens before, and it's similar. No, what, it, um, what about the your profile picture? What are you holding? I don't know. A turkey. Okay. But wasn't that double action? No, I'm pretty sure. No, I don't think I've ever put double action on a turkey. That, that was probably fully loaded. No, double think, action would be, oh, you know, it would taste delicious on it. Don't get me wrong. Double action on birds is amazing. But when you're thinking of Thanksgiving, you've got like that savory, herby, you know, like essence to it. Yeah. You really mm-hmm. just want something simple. And um, I don't think Simple flavors. Yeah, and I don't think it's uh, outside of the box either to take your favorite seasoning, 
uh, hashtag reload, um, and and maybe add a little something to it if you wanted to. If you wanted like uh, a rosemary more, or something, yeah, mm-hmm. or some thyme or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, I think you can you can doctor and, and play with, you know, see have a good foundation base of seasoning on something, and then add. Yeah, L- like Stacy's like. favorite sage. You can add a little sage yes. to it. <laughs> I need, I need my mind changed on that. Basil. Yeah, I, I love the savory profile on a bird with seasoning, as far as seasoning goes. And I'm happy to go with like a magnum, especially with kind of that chunkier garlic yeah. and whatnot on the outside. So what I like to do, because I'm, I, it sounds like you guys have already talked about this, but I'm team no stuffing in a hard, in a whole bird. <laughs> so, Hell yeah. I, 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 like will, put, I will drink uh, a bush to that cheeky. He's going to kiss you on the mouth. I got some bush today. <laughs> Uh, I'm a huge fan of taking all those herbs and aromatics and putting those in the cavity of the bird yeah. and letting letting that be the way that I'm introducing uh-huh. a lot of those, you know, herbs and other. Th- so your mm-hmm. rosemary, your sage, your thyme, uh, you know, whole cloves of garlic in there. You can add like some apples, of course, I've got to recommend, but also yeah. maybe like orange slices or anything like that. Just stuff that that cavity full of those aromatics that you want. Uh, that way and then season it still kind of on that savory side but then as it's cooking you're releasing all those herbs yeah and you're not worried about cooking that stuff to completion like you would be with the stuffing that's really just a flavor from the inside exactly i'm going to discard it all pretty much when it's done anyway but it's just going to introduce more more flavor really from like the inside out which is nice and i'll say even if you're just using a simple rub like fully loaded or something make sure you season the inside of the bird Mm -hmm. along with the outside you know get flavor from every single side of it just like cheeky cheeky's talking about now are you guys rubbing it down with olive oil rubbing it down with uh, softened butter what what do you what Uh, method are you guys doing and are you drying it after it's out of the brine. Yeah. When I pull mine out of the brine, I dry it off completely. And there then I don't use any sort of binder or anything. And that that's typical for most of the things I cook. And then I, I put the rub, rub right, right directly on the skin. Rub it, pat it. Yep. Yep. P- p- pat I it know on. My mom always puts like softened butter and she rubs it all over every aspect of that bird. So my Ugh. problem with that is I want crispy skin. Hers I is want always that, crispy. I want that skin to be very dry. Well, it depends on how she's cooking it. Like if yeah. she's cooking it in an oven at a higher temperature, perfectly Roast. fine. If you're cooking it in a smoker at 275 yeah. degrees, that's not going to render you're down right. in time. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, yeah. But in, I love in, the skin. in an oven, that butter's going to start. Yeah, if yeah, you're cooking at, f- at 450 in an oven, mm-hmm. oh my God, you're going to get super crispy mm-hmm. skin. It's not going to matter if that butter's <laughs> on there or not. Yum. What about you, Cheeky? Olive oil, butter, yeah. nothing. Yeah, I, I think the the drying off question, if you want that crispy skin, it's imperative that, that that skin, you're patting it dry. And then if I can, I like to throw it in the fridge, like what Jeremy talked about, how it's kind of that dehydrated, that really dry environment. Mm-hmm. I try to dry it off with paper towels the best I can, and then I throw it in the fridge for at least a few hours before I'm going to cook it, and that's just going to help dry it up even more. Uh, if I'm in a rush, you can add to, to me, binders are the kind of thing you add if, if you don't have time. Like if I'm running behind and I need that rub to adhere to that meat, whether I'm cooking a brisket or a pork shoulder or a turkey or whatever, that's what I'm throwing a, uh, a binder on. But if I've got the time and I'm doing things right and I wrote a nice timeline for how my cook's going to go for the day and I'm on schedule, there's really no reason for it. I'll just go ahead and put my seasoning on there because I'm going to let that sit on there for at least a good hour or two, which is going to tack up anyway. Uh, and then I don't have to stress about it. 
Now, Cheeky, I heard uh, on the West Coast, you guys do things a little bit differently. The, the turkeys actually still have their heads on, and you put an apple inside the turkey's mouth while you're cooking it, like you would with like a whole pig. Yes. Is, is, is that something you do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we call it the apple gobbler. Yeah, the apple yeah. gobbler. Yeah, yeah, that was the name I heard. Yeah. yeah At home, exactly. if you guys want to Google that, the apple gobbler. Yes. And then, and then, and then talk to Cheeky, Cheeky Barbecue on Instagram. You can message him about that. All about gobbling apples. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right, so we've got, there's all different kinds of ways that you can cook your bird for Thanksgiving. Um, roasting it, smoking it, um, frying it. What's your go-to? Don't look at me. I don't cook these damn birds. Uh, n- normally, I, I like to smoke mine. It's more of a hotter smoke, and, th- and that's going to determine um, uh, a few things beforehand. We've talked about the rubs. I don't like to use double action on there because double action gives all those sweet smoky flavors and I'm already adding that layer of smoke on my mm-hmm. smoker. So that's where I kind of ruled double action out and went with the more traditional fully loaded and also why I'm not rubbing that skin with anything. Um, and now I don't want to go super low with my smoke method. I want to go a little bit hotter because I want that crispy skin. If you go too low, if you're smoking at 220, 225, you're not going to get that skin to render properly in the amount of time that you need. Uh, so I like to do a hotter smoke. The one I cooked today, uh, I, I cooked it on the Primo over charcoal. Uh, I had my deflector plates in. And so 275 to 300 is where I kept it at. And uh, 12 to 14 pound turkey uh, took about three and a half hours. So not too crazy. That's not bad at all. Cheeky, what's your go-to on Thanksgiving? Well, does, Joel, did you want to chime in on something there? You, go ahead, brother. Okay, so I, what I want to... My answer is I'm a huge fan of smoking a bird. Like that's always my default, of course. Right. Um, but my question to kind of bounce back to you, Jeremy, your technique for cooking the bird, how contingent is it on the type of smoker and fuel source that you're using? Because I think that's pretty critical. Uh, in what way? Like, like temperature you're talking well, like if you were going to cook, cause I assume everyone, you know, the, the folks that are listening are going to cook on a myriad of different types of cookers, oh, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. you cooked your bird on a Primo, mm-hmm. uh, with, with charcoal, with wood chunks. Does that cook look different? Does that time and temperature look different versus on a pellet grill versus on an offset or a stick burner? Gotcha. I think, yeah. I think so. So each one of those are going to have their own little different uh, particulars that you're going to think about. Uh, last year, I hung my um, I hung my turkey in a pit barrel and cooked it over 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 charcoal. But a pit barrel runs at about 275, so the cook was very very similar to the cook I had today. Uh, it has that long that 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 long uh, space between the charcoal and the turkey, so you don't have to worry about flare ups and drippings and stuff. Uh, one advantage to cooking on the Primo today is I was able to put a tray underneath it, catch all the drippings, and make uh and, and make gravy, you wouldn't be able to do that in a pit barrel. Um, and then if it, 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 and say you wanted to use your pellet smoker, I would still run it at about 275, 285 to, to achieve that crispy skin and to, to achieve the same cook time, uh, so a sub four hour cook. Cause if you draw that out too far, uh, you're going to kind of start to dry your turkey out and get that skin that doesn't render quite right. So I still like that 275 range. And then if you're cooking in a pellet smoker, you can use a, uh, a cooking rack like you would uh, normally use in your oven, your roasting rack to to raise the turkey up a little bit and catch all those drippings if you wanted to make uh, if you wanted to make your uh, your gravy again and then the same thing with the offset smoker uh, the only thing I would do different with an offset smoker is I would face the legs 
towards the heat because you want that dark meat to cook to a little bit mm. of a higher temperature and you want to protect the breast meat because it has the most opportunity of drying out. So mm. I would face that towards the, towards the, uh, towards the heat source. And that's actually something I did today in my Primo on the Primo. The vent is on the left side of the Primo. So I faced the legs towards the left side of the Primo. And then I kept the breast on the right side of the Primo just to kind of protect the, uh, the breast meat a little bit from the, uh, from the heat and the different cooking times, like the different internal temperatures that you want for the different parts of the bird. That makes more sense because yeah. you want the legs to cook a little bit higher temps than you would the yeah. breast without drying those out. And to Stacy's point there, always cook to temperature, not time. Yep. Yes. Um, I temp my, uh, my breast when I'm cooking. And so I pulled today when the, uh, when the internal temperature hit, it was like 155, 158, uh, not quite 160 because 165 is done. I pulled it and then I wasn't using my oven for anything today. So I put the turkey in the oven as like a warming box and then it, and then it rose the temperature for about a, an hour or so it was resting afterwards. Did you cover it? Like tent it with foil? No, because the oven was the closed. Oven was, so okay. it worked like a warming box. If you have to use a cooler or something, tent it with, with foil and then put it into a cooler or something. And it can raise up a few temps. Exactly. Or a few degrees. Yeah. And, and like, uh, you know, I had my even thermometer in there, but, but I went and had, went ahead and checked a few different places when I went to pull it off. And because I had put the legs towards that warmer side of the, uh, of the smoker, the legs were actually like 170, 175 when I went and pulled it and which is exactly what you want. But to your point, like putting it in the oven with no foil on top of it, oven um, turned off, just using it as a warming it, box. That's going to keep it drier. If you were to rot out of the, of the Primo, put the foil on top of yeah. it, you're going to get some soggy skin. Yeah, exactly. Get some condensation, yeah. You but, want air to be able to move around it while still staying warm. Yeah, but going back to the charcoal point, I feel like you're going to get a completely different texture, whether it's in a pit barrel or a Primo um, cooking. That's that drier cook over charcoal than you are with the convection style on the uh, pellet grill. Well, because con- pellet- convection means that you have a lot of airflow. Well, I know, but for me, drippings. for me, I, I just have never been able to really get the texture on the skin and a pellet grill on for there's chicken wings, mm. chicken yeah. or turkey than I do when I do anything over charcoal. Like yeah. I don't know if it's the if the charcoal is the higher heat or dry what? heat, the, the, dry that, that drier heat. Yeah. heat. I would yeah. say, yeah. And now like I've been playing around with a water pan with my barbecue cooks a lot. And like, I of course did not put a water pan in, in mm. my Primo today. You don't, you don't want that extra moisture in the air. Mm-hmm. You want a dry heat. Like you're talking about Joel. Yeah. Because you're going to, unless re- you're doing like a pork butt or something like that, where you really want that moist. Tender. Yeah. Yeah. That's what not, I was saying. But not with yeah. poultry, with poultry, yeah. you want to get that drier heat because you want that skin to crack up on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cheeky, did you ever say what your go-to was for? For cooking? For your turkey? Yeah. Yeah. Why are you doing this Thanksgiving? I'm going to always do it in the smoker. And I kind of part of the reason why I wanted to bring that question up is because the tool that you're using to cook your bird, I think, is so critical. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can run... Like I, I've got a Kamado Joe and I've got the master built, uh, the gravity series, which are both charcoal, uh, charcoal fueled grills. Right. So, uh, that's going to like the Kamado Joe is going to give me basically the same exact cook as the Primo. Right. So, um, I am comfortable running if I'm using a high quality lump hardwood lump charcoal with actual wood, you know, baseball size wood chunks, I'm comfortable running. 275 to 325 and putting that bird in that smoker because my fuel source is even at that high of a temp is going to give me enough smoke and cook that bird to where I'm going to be really happy with it. Mm -hmm. Now, however, if I'm going to use a pellet grill, 
I'm probably going to hesitate at running that high of a temperature because as all pellet grills are basically set up to operate where the lower the temperature that you're running, the, the more smoldering you're getting, the more smoke that you're getting. So if you're using a pellet grill and you're cooking that bird at 275 to 325, you're probably not going to be imparting that much smoke flavor onto your bird. You're more of baking or roasting it at that point. And that's why, like, I know Jeremy, we've talked about chicken wings in the past, as far Mm -hmm. as kind of like the style that I like to do smoked chicken wings. Yeah. I'm a really big fan. If I'm, if I'm using a pellet grill, uh, which I don't have a pellet grill on my patio right now anymore. I I got rid of it. The, the brand that shall not be named. (laughs) (laughs) I, I ran the, like the birds that I did last year, I ran those at basically 200 degrees to 225 degrees for the first hour just to try to get, I mean, at that point, I'm not even trying to cook the bird. I'm just trying to get oh, as yeah. much smoke flavor onto the bird as I can. Mm-hmm. And then I'm bumping it up or I'm sitting at 225 until I hit something like a hundred degrees internal. Yeah. And then I'm bumping it up to 350. And that's what gives me that nice crispy skin. But what I've, what I have found is that's the technique I have to use on a pellet grill to get a similar result. Whereas like an offset that's going to be, you know, stick burner focused or, uh, on a, on a Kamado style or, or, um, you know, ceramic grill style or on any sort of charcoal where you're using, you know, real lump charcoal, uh, you can run a higher temperature because your fuel source is going to give you better flavor through the cook. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now I will say that, um, for pellet grill users out there, if, if you are wanting to get one, or if you already have this particular one, Camp Chef has an option on their pellet grill. I was going to say the same thing, yeah. Where they give you the smoke level. Mm-hmm. So you can run your smoke level from between 1 and 10. And I could set that thing 400 degrees. The kicker is you better um, allocate for a lot more time because what it's doing is it's bringing it up to temp and then it's dumping it down. Yeah, you don't have a, um, um, a consistent temperature level because it has to kick the temperature down in order to, prov- to provide mm-hmm. the smoke that you're requesting. But but you're still getting, you can still set it for those higher temps and maintain it in that range mm-hmm. um, on there. Now, other other ones that um, I've, I've experienced or been around don't have that option. So mm. that I think in the pellet grill market, I think that is a good option. But go ahead, buddy. No, I just want to ask you, cause I'm not familiar with camp chef. I've, I've seen them, but I've never cooked on one. So like other brands, you can do like a super smoke function, right? Yeah. But that, that tops out at like 225 degrees. So you yeah. can't use that tool if you're cooking hotter, but you're saying with the camp chef, you can adjust that level no matter how high of a temperature you're running on it. I think it's up to like three or three fifty. You yes. can have yeah. control. It'll fluctuate the temperatures after, to provide the yeah. smoke that you want. It, it, I'm not if, going if, to five hundred. If, yeah. if you're cooking at four hundred, you don't have control over that because it has to dump too, okay. too many pellets, you know, to keep it, it going. But I think it's anything under three hundred degrees. You can go from one to ten on that mm-hmm. smoke setting, and you can dump a lot of smoke into there. And then it also does have the high smoke option at one sixty is high smoke, and I think two twenty five is the. Yeah, yeah, it, a lower it, smoke temp. No, yeah. no, it has a high smoke at two twenty five and low smoke at like one eighty or something. Yeah, something or, like that. I don't know, something like that. So my question That's is, cool. you know, we've been talking about you know adding the wood chunks and you know pellet grills. We're gonna have to choose our pellets for that. What type of wood flavorings are you thinking? Of? What? All the pellets taste the same. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going with wood flavor. <laughs> okay, so wood, wood flavor. So wood chunks. Are you picking apple? Are you picking hickory? Like what? What is your choice of wood if you if given the choice for that? 
so if I'm using the master bill or the Kamado where I'm mixing, you know, charcoal and, and wood chunks, I'm a huge fan of using like a really hard wood, like an Oak or a hickory and then adding, uh, like a little bit of a sweeter flavor wood. So, um, apple wood is super native here in Oregon. So if I could use something native, like that's going to be great. Uh, cherry wood works really well too. Lately I've been on a, uh, pecan wood. Uh, kick. So kind of a little bit sweeter, a little bit different style wood. So like when I did a pork shoulder last weekend, I had a nice mix, mostly, you know, probably like 60, 40 as far as, you know, post oak wood chunks and then, uh, pecan wood chunks in there. People ask me what flavor pellets I use all the time. I tell them whatever the cheapest ones are on sale. That's what <laughs> yep. I grab. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Fuel source. Unless, unless the pellet companies are adding those oil flavorings, but we won't get into that. Okay. Um, well, anyways, I think it's time to take a break. Um, on the other side, we're going to segue into um, roasting and smoking. I'm sorry. Roasting and frying your turkeys as well as some other Thanksgiving pairings. Um, see you on the flip side. Thanks for hanging with us through the break. Uh, We are going to transition to talking about roasting and frying Mm -hmm. your bird this Thanksgiving. And we're going to start by kicking it over to Joel, our frying expert. Yeah, well, (laughs) frying expert my ass. (laughs) But no, I do have have some uh, experience, I guess, with the family. We used to fry a turkey every year. And we would split the – my sister, she was the one that always wanted to fry the turkey. And so she would do what we talked about earlier. She would inject it, do the whole Creole seasoning and all that jazz. And, um, but she, we would share, um, we would split the oil up because it's kind of expensive to buy all that oil to fry Mm -hmm. a turkey. So that we would split the cost with the neighbors on the oil. And my sister every year would get so effing pissed because they would fry their turkey first. And because they were, weren't too good at it, the oil, they weren't monitoring the oil temps the oil temp would get too hot. Uh And when she would throw her turkey in, it would burn the shit out of it. It was still good. Because the oil was burnt? Do what? Because they they, they burnt the oil. They got it too hot. They They got the oil too hot. Yes. Okay. They weren't watching the temperature of the oil just kicking it up. Yeah, so they put the turkey in. And and, uh, dude, I can't tell you how many times she like, like was almost in tears over her damn turkey that she was so excited about or whatnot. But I will say this: so that's one thing you gotta you gotta look at when you are frying a turkey, especially if you're frying multiple. You gotta monitor. You your can't oil. just rear it up hot. You can't just have it freaking going to you know Sizzletown. You gotta have it regulate your oil temp so that you don't burn it, like Jeremy said, and the, so that you can properly cook you know multiple turkeys in it. The other thing with that is too, the turkey does not need to be cold. It needs to be set out. It needs to be getting to room temp because if you have a wet, cold turkey. What is going to happen when you put in some hot ass oil? You're mm. going to get a overflow, and then you're going to have those big grease fires like you see on all the YouTube videos and shit like that. My question is though, like, because I'm not familiar with frying the turkey, when you season it and then you stick it in there, does all the seasoning come off? Well, it's, just, it's just like frying chicken, you know. I don't. I, I think. I think if you do yeah, I something right. along the of a dry brine, or if you do something 
um, where you actually let the seasoning set up on it. And if you just season it and throw it in there, I think you're going to lose a lot. It's almost kind of like marin. It's almost like marinating in the seasonings for a little bit. I, I would season my turkey when it comes out, just like anything I fry. If I'm mm-hmm. if I'm making French fries, I'm salting them as soon as they come out. If mm-hmm. I'm frying chicken, I'm I'm seasoning it as soon as it comes out. Same thing. As soon as it comes out, I'm throwing some seasoning on there. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you on this because I believe some of See, the some of the big part of why my sister's turkeys came out, you know burnt black is because of the seasoning she was using. I think mm-hmm. it was the sugars boy, and I, stuff like I that. I think it was just charring that burning it all. Yeah. yeah and that's but, something good. That's with fully loaded. There's no sugar in it. So you're not going to get that burning that blackened, uh, outside. Yeah. Like, uh, you're talking about all the, uh, the injections and the seasonings and the flavors your sister, your sister was putting on those turkeys. Yeah. I would not want to use that oil after her. Because it's going to everything you put in after that is going to taste like Creole. That's you know? the thing. That's that's why they, that's why she goes second though. Yeah, that's why. Because yeah. they're doing theirs different. Theirs doesn't uh, doesn't have all that stuff in it. But yeah, you're you're right. But I think that I'm, I'm with Jeremy on if you're going to fry a turkey, deep fry. You know, brine it, do whatever you got to do, get mm-hmm. it, and then deep fry that mug. As soon as it comes out of the vat, you lay it on a table and you season the piss out of it while that oil is still popping on there. So for like the temperatures, like monitoring the temperature with that, are you pulling it out of the oil and then putting in your thermal works or are you using like an indwelling? You know, thermometer? that's one thing I don't know about. I don't, I don't know how they're monitoring that. Those, uh, those thermal works, um, uh, leave in probes are safe to go in the oil like that. The, 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 they're safe to, to pretty high temperatures, uh, 600 plus degrees to my knowledge. And that fry oil should only be at like 350 or 375. Yes, that's where- so, so it's completely safe to set in that temperature like that. Um, I, I've put things in deep fryers w- with leave-in thermometers before. Oh, so put a leave-in in there. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. put it in. And, and, okay. and then mm-hmm. once you hit your temp, pull it out, you know. That's a good technique. Not, it's, so, not a, it's not a crazy high temp. It's going to, like, defuse Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah. safe to be in there. Because you smoke at higher temps than that. So we're going to smoke to about 155, 160, pull that sucker out, and then allow it to rest to reach the... Uh, Fry? What did I say? Smoke. <laughs> fried. I was like, you, okay. You, you do so, one of those smoke fried turkeys. So, how long would you recommend it resting, you guys? Uh, I mean, shit. What, 10, 15 minutes? I mean, for, uh, for in a, the a, open for for a deep fried turkey, yeah, or for a smoked turkey? Because it's gonna be pretty deep hot fried. on the deep, inside. On deep fried. For a deep fried, I wouldn't rest it as long as I would for a smoked turkey. It's, it's like awesome. anything else fried. You know, you don't want it to get cold on you. You mm-hmm. you want to eat that pretty soon. So you're gonna carve it, and you would recommend taking something like fully loaded afterwards and season up the carved pieces mm-hmm. and so, wait no seasoning it after it's carved yeah no i would season it as soon as it comes out of the oil season the bird the yes. whole bird okay, yes. okay. the whole bird j- no j- carving season j- but just like when i'm taking fried chicken out of the fryer you're going to season it so it sticks to the outside okay. while it's still hot if you season it while it's still hot it'll stick to it really well okay. if you wait till it's yeah. cooled down it's not going to stick to it and then i mean you know um I'd probably put out some flake salt or something just to sprinkle on afterwards some finishing salt finishing. or something yeah. yeah and i wouldn't use any reload seasonings on the burr before it goes in a deep fryer. I think if you, any of ours that we have are going to blacken, um, yeah, going into a a deep fryer, especially something like fully loaded that has all the different herbs and everything into it. That's just going to blacken and burn in that 375 degree oil. Make it bitter. Yeah. I would definitely throw on like some, uh, some salt, some pepper, maybe a little granulated garlic or onion, something like that, but nothing too chunky, nothing too big. That's going to burn easily. Or not only, you know, and honestly, I, I think, you know, where where she does the injections, I don't think it would be a bad idea to do some fully loaded mixed with butter and inject it in that before oh, frying. Oh, would be fantastic, mm-hmm. yeah. That would really bring some flavor to it. All right. All right, going to roasting. You know, you can roast in the oven. You can also get one of those roaster pans that's kind of like um, 
it's its own little mini appliance that you plug in. Um, those are cool as well. So, so tell me, I know that people <laughs> use them all the time and they work great. They have brand new ones oh, out Chicago. right now. Sorry. That allows your oven to have, to be open for your other sides and other things that you're making. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you don't have multiple ovens or you don't have a smoker or frying yeah. that roaster pan, you can let the bird cook all day in that. And then, um, so we have your oven free. So with that, we're, we're, when you're roasting a bird at that point, it convection is convection. So, and, and, Tell me what you guys think. If I got it in a roasting pan versus putting it in my oven in a roasting, or one of those electric, what the hell did you call it? The roasting ro- pan? Okay. So, so I should point out to the audience that uh, Joel and Stacey, you guys are significantly older than me and Cheeky. Shut your mouth. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, like way older than us. And so I have no idea what you're talking about this with like, is, this plug-in okay, roaster okay, thing. Okay, okay, okay. So uh, Cheeky. You, like, you ever seen a roasting pot? A, like a big, those big pots that you put in your oven that you could put a whole bird in? Like a crock pot? No. I don't know what no, you're no. talking about. One Let me show you. Oven. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the roasting pan where, where the bird is roasting raised pan. No, yeah. no, no. This electric roaster. Right I here. I, all I see is a black screen. It's coming. Oh, is that... It, it looks like a crock pot you cook a turkey in. Uh-huh. So is it... Uh, oh. Okay. So, so it's an appliance specifically for cooking a turkey. Yeah. Yes. That, that seems... Now, some cool. of the that older ones... really dumb. Some of the older ones back in the 90s looked like the... Like, a, like an actual giant pot that you would put, drop a turkey in yeah. and that you would roast it in in the oven. And it just has convection, like dry heat in there. Well, no. It, with that style, you would put a little bit of liquid or something like that in there. But mm. it's not like, a, like a, an air fryer. But, but you just plug it so in and it does this thing. Because when you, if that's the tool you use, if that's what you're using to cook your turkey in this year, don't. Yeah. <laughs> that's my recommendation. Yeah. Well, just I don't. mean, but some people don't have the oper- the, the the means that I could they could be living in an a, apartment or something like that that has a, a small kitchen and they don't have all the well. If you live in a small kitchen and you have a small apartment, you're probably not having thirty people over, so you don't need to get a big old huge turkey. You don't know. Um, that's and, true. And, and if that's happening, just get one of those uh, stuffed turkey breasts from Halteman and then put it in your regular oven. Okay. Roasting or, pans are good for Chinese food. They are good. Oh yeah, Chinese food is always good on. It's like a, it's well, like an on the counter <laughs> oven. Any day is what it is. It's like an on the on the counter oven. About, so it's like a little toaster oven sort I of about thing. Went the Christmas story there. <laughs> I almost sang it. I, I think I it goes myself. a little hotter than that. <laughs> I stopped right. myself. Who wants to walk us through roasting a turkey? Yes, because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. We're, I, we're not familiar with it. Yeah, we don't cook a lot of whole turkeys. So roasting turkeys has any- whole wild turkeys. Yeah. Cheeky, well, you- so ro- roasting your turkey in the oven. I mean, what are you doing different in the oven that you would do in your smoker? Um, I would say in the oven, it's going in like a baking dish or some sort of roasting dish that's going to have a liquid in the bottom of some sorts because you know to catch it and let let the birds sweat into it. So you're getting that liquid that would be um, helping cook the bird as opposed to the smoker that's all the drippings are going down into the drip pan. That'd be my. The only thing I think is different, but you're getting, it's sweating more in the oven than it is in the smoker. Yes. No, maybe more moist, moist scenario. And I know a lot of people use those Turkey basters and based throughout the cooking process. Keep that skin moist. <laughs> those things are so fun. A little, you know, squirty, a little thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cause 
when you're cooking in an oven opposed to a smoker, the big difference is like you're not getting smoke, so you're not trying to use those low, low temperatures. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, everyone has a favorite temperature. I mean, I would probably just stick with about 400, but you could do it anywhere from 375 to 450, and you'd be perfectly fine. At those higher temperatures, uh, you do have the opportunity to dry out parts of the turkey more, and that's where those basters come in. You're not really basting the skin as much as the meat underneath that skin. Uh, you're trying to keep that breast nice and moist because it, 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 it is the leanest part of the turkey, so it's going to dry out the fastest. Uh, but yeah, the, those um, those racks that uh, that elevate the turkey up over it, that way air can get all around the turkey. It's not setting in a pan in its own juices where where because uh, those juices are going to help cool it down. And, and the part of the turkey you want to get to the highest temperatures are the legs and the thighs, which sit on the backside there. So if they're setting in the juices the whole time, they're never going to get up to that right temperature without drying the breast out. That's the point of those pans being raised up like that. And then not, not not that I'm an authority on this, but you don't think that being like like if I'm rolling at 400 degrees and those juices in there you don't think that's gonna like so almost like boil let me me point out this juices boil at 212 degrees and they're not boiling in the bottom of those pans Hmm. that's a good point Mm -hmm. uh so 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 liquid is an insulator um you know science class here uh this feels like seventh grade all over again come on joel uh i haven't learned learned this yet um yeah so so the liquids are going to be kind of an insulator there and you want uh, like i mean like in a perfect world yeah cook the turkey upside down put the breast down in those juices but that's going to bring like that's going to breathe like just like this ugly looking turkey on your table and no one wants that so So what point wrinkly skinned oh yeah like pruning yeah that bird's not going on instagram yeah exactly (laughs) and we're we're only cooking things that go on instagram and I was like, Grandma's titties. Hey, all right. Oh, and not, see, not that I know. This all comes back around to me thinking birds are stupid and you shouldn't cook a whole turkey. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so something I want to bring up is, you know, we're talking 12-pound turkeys, 36-pound turkeys, stuff like that. How long do we allot to cook these things? Like, I, like how do well, you even know? Like Jeremy, you got someone coming over at 6 p.m. Like, How much does that Haltman weigh? That, that, that was a 12 to 14 pound turkey. And at 275, that should take you no more than three hours. Or, I'm sorry, four hours. Um, if you're cooking a larger turkey at a higher temperature, I mean, the, you can find um, different equations online to kind of to kind of figure out exact times, but always, always cook to temperature, not time. So let me ask you this. Could you allot three to six hours to cook your turkey? And if you'll say you finish at the three and a half hour mark on a larger turkey, mm-hmm. could you let it sit? Oven off, or like, and let it. Yeah, you know, I mean, be like, warming. Like if I don't need to use that oven for anything else, I'll turn the oven off, vent the oven, open the door for twenty minutes or so, so it can kind of cool down in there. Yeah, um, and, and then just let that turkey rest, and, and and let all those juices redistribute inside the turkey, just like you're resting like a big cut of beef or something. You know, so they could do that for a couple hours and not get uh, cold. And, yeah, I mean, if you had to, I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to time all of your sides and desserts and breads yeah. and turkey. That's and the thing with that Thanksgiving. Kind of like, that's you know. yeah, that's the thing with Thanksgiving. Go ahead, Noah. Sorry. Well, no, I, I think that this conversation is part of a bigger conversation as far as you've got to have a plan mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving Day. And that plan starts with, obviously, how many people are coming over, who you're hosting. If you are responsible for cooking the turkey, my advice is to not be at a place where you're cooking that at home and then having to transport that somewhere because that time variability is yeah. is, is a big aspect with that. But if you're having people over, invite them a couple over, a couple hours over before you think dinner's going to be. Have some appetizers out so that you don't have a group of hangry people Radishes that you're rushing to try to feed. Yeah, and then 
the more prep you can do the day before any of your side dishes or anything like that, where you're basically not having to cook everything from scratch, you're, you're heating it or you're just cooking it through. That's going to make that stress the day of even easier, where if you didn't budget correctly, as far as how long you thought that bird was going to take, you've got some wiggle room there because you've already got some food out on the table. You got football on the TV. People are happy. And if dinner's an hour or two later, you're, you're going to be okay. Most people aren't in a huge rush on yes. Thanksgiving. So <laughs> you give yourself some, you know, like we talked about a fat cap or liquid is like an, as a barrier or a, you know, insulator, yeah, yeah. you gotta give, you gotta do that for yourself too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's the beauty about Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving is you go ahead and I mean, unless you got four families to go to, like you, you have, um, most people are coming in, they're setting in for a time, you know, food is done when the food is done. You got your stretchy pants on, yeah, you're, you're damn, getting comfy. You're damn straight. And half the time, you know, you get your cracky a few. All right. So gravy, time. are you going to the grocery store, getting a jar of that Heinz brown gravy? <laughs> are you a gravy man, Chicky? Oh, I love, I love <laughs> have you seen me? <laughs> <laughs> For, for those of you at home, by uh, <laughs> body built by gravy. That's a shirt. We need to make that shirt. Built by gravy. For those of you at home who can't see Cheeky, he's about six foot six, uh, 220 pounds, just solid muscle. Chiseled beast. Chiseled. Uh, think like a Greek statue. I mean, just built. If I, I mean, was going to have sex with a man. It'd be cheeky. It would oh my be. Gosh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? If I was going if, to. The, 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 the bush light sweater. The, the only thing I wish I could change is that there would that. be two of them so we could have a three-way. You yes. Know? That's the only yes. thing I would change. Well, I mean, like at that point, I wouldn't care. You yeah. just jump in. Yeah. It's good. Anyways, gravy. Let's talk about, speaking of gravy. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of a jizz of gravy. <laughs> um, a jizz of gravy. <laughs> so, um, oh, damn it. How do we recover from this? Um, I love, I, I, I love gravy. That's, uh, I make a pretty good white gravy, but I've never been really good at making like a gravy like you made today. So, uh, Cheeky, today uh, what I made was just a simple uh, drippings gravy. So, started with a roux, browned it up nicely. Um, uh, I didn't have quite enough drippings, so I added some uh, just some boxed chicken stock to it that I had in my fridge. Uh, so, chicken stock and uh, and the drippings, uh, mixed that all together, reduced it down, uh, seasoned to taste with just uh, salt, pepper, uh, a little bit of ground garlic, and then um, and then just a little bit of herbs de Provence. I didn't have any fresh herbs on hand, otherwise I, I'd have used uh, fresh, uh, thyme, sage, rosemary, and maybe some parsley, you know, just those traditional poultry, uh, herbs that you would use. And that's just a simple drippings gravy that I made up today. But, uh, also we love the giblets gravy where you make your own stock with all the giblets and the necks and everything like that. Yeah. So did you, when you had it on the smoker, did you have it on a, a pan that had the bird elevated to collect so, the drippings. Um, so on the Primo, there's enough room between the uh, the heat diffuser plate and the grates to actually fit a pan in there. And so I put a pan in there, and then I use some little balls of tinfoil to raise that pan off the gr- off of the diffuser plate because that diffuser plate can get very hot, and I didn't want the uh, drippings to evaporate. You know, once I hit it. Oh. And so, um, and then I just collected those. And I mean, there was a good solid cup in there. You know, once that was I was a done. Solid MacGyver move, man. Right there. So can you explain to us how you started off the gravy, like you said, by making the roux for some of those that are mm-hmm. listening that don't know how to do that? Yeah, yeah. So, so you make a roux in a pan. Okay. Tell us how to make a roux. <laughs> a <laughs> roux, then, a roux is half flour, half fat. And for the fat, I used uh, I, I used butter, unsalted butter. Um, don't use salt. When you butter. say half, you mean e- equal parts. Equal right? parts. And then uh, I wasn't making a big batch 
of gravy. So I just did two tablespoons of butter to two tablespoons of flour and melted the butter in a pan. And then uh, I sprinkled in two tablespoons of butter over that. I cooked it on like medium low heat, uh, uh, whisking occasionally that way uh, it could cook. And it's going to start very, very light brown and it's going to darken in, uh, and really pick up some of those nuttier flavors as you darken it. So you can go as dark as you want. I went to about a medium darkness and then um, I slowly added my chicken stock while whisking into that, into the roux that was formed to the bottom of the pan, uh, whisking that together so that it all combined nicely. And then I added my drippings again, slowly adding those in, uh, whisking to combine. And then, uh, I just let it set on like a medium low heat again. Like a, it was like a three on my stove, uh, and, and, and let it reduce down until it got to a nice consistency and how you can tell it's a, a good consistency. Cause, uh, as it cools down, it will thicken up a little bit. Also dip a spoon in there and run your finger along the back of the spoon. And then if it stays separated on that spoon there, you know, it's done and it's thick enough, but if it doesn't, if it just kind of falls off the spoon you're not there yet and then uh you know uh put a little between your fingers make sure it's nice and smooth uh you know you want to make sure you cook that uh that flour all the way through it and then and then give it a taste taste every every step along the way here and then uh you know add your seasonings your salt pepper garlic whatever you want in there i, I mean the, consist- the consistency was good i've got to say it like it was money. it was thick but not too thick like i mm-hmm. i like it to have like a tackiness to it like yeah. i want to be able to put a fork in yep. and there be some residual on there to be able to taste it something that's just going to run off and water off is not is and not my type of gravy it, it sounds like i was explaining a lot there but that whole thing took me less than 10 minutes yeah yeah, yeah. but i mean yeah i was going to say like don't don't be intimidated by mm-hmm. that if you've never made gravy from scratch before because like there, that was a really great explanation and there's a lot going on, but it's really not that complicated. Mm-hmm. And it's so much better than that shit that you're buying into the jar. Yeah. And a great thing is you, you've got to wait for your drippings until pretty much the bird's done. Yeah. So you're while doing all resting. this yeah. while the bird is resting. So it's, it's a total win win. Yeah. And then I would say a step up from that is giblet gravy, which is where you take all, you take the neck, you take the innards. Um, I like to cut the, uh, the the neck fat off the turkey because I think it just kind of hang in there and it doesn't render very well. And I'll use that also. And you brown all those up and you make your own stock from those, mm-hmm. uh, which is a completely different thing. Uh, you, you know, it, it takes about six, eight hours. So you want to do it the day beforehand. If you can pull all those parts off the bird uh, when you're putting the bird into the brine, uh, then you can make your own stock with all those pieces of the bird. And then instead of using like a chicken stock or something that's boxed, you're using a giblet stock to actually make the gravy. And that's going to step it up to the next level mm, yeah my my, my mimi uh, she makes the giblet gravy every mm-hmm. year i like to she's pull got, the heart she's out got of the it. whole neck in there and yeah. all that jazz. yeah yeah and it's 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 not as dark as your gravy it's a little bit it ends up being a little bit lighter but mm-hmm. man it's good well the, the darkness is going to depend on that roux yeah the, the darker you cook that flour the darker that flavor is going to get in there and um i like making darker stocks so i'll roast all of those pieces beforehand okay get, get, get that maillard reaction on the neck and on and on those organ meats and everything. Um, I'll I'll keep that skin from the neck and I'll brown that up really dark in the pan that I'm going to cook this stock in. And that's going to give me a really dark stock and make the whole gravy darker, which I feel brings um, a depth of flavor instead of like a lightness of flavor. Yeah, that was a sexy gravy and it definitely, Mm -hmm. mm, it was good. Damn it, it was good. Anything to add? Cheeky. Interesting. No, that, that all, I mean, the question I was going to ask was if you're, if you do the, the neck and, um, giblet stock if you're doing that the day before, but you yep. covered that. Yep. Um, are you just, after you brown everything, are you um, deglazing that plan with just some water to kind of get all the, the nice kind of chunky bits off of there? And then you're just filling that with water and letting it simmer? 
Yeah, yeah. So exactly. Um, I would use my pot that I'm going to cook this stuff in, or I'm sorry, that I'm going to make my stock in. I would get a big pot on my stove. I would I would turn the heat up to like medium high, uh, not super high because you don't want to burn this stuff. Throw all throw the necks, uh, throw th- th- throw the uh, the organ meats, th- th- throw that extra skin in the bottom there. Get it brown. Keep it moving around till it gets nice and brown. Then deglaze the bottom of that pan with some water and everything, and then uh, fill it up and let that reduce a few times over the course of maybe six hours or so. You're not making a huge amount of stock here. Uh, so you don't need to cook it for that full 12 hours. And, uh, while I'm cooking that, I'm going to add, uh, you know, your, your mirepoix in there, your, your carrots, your onions, your celery, uh, m- m- maybe a whole clove of garlic cut in half in there. Just, just the flavorings that you would typically want with your Turkey. Uh, m- m- maybe throw some fresh herbs in there. Um, you know, uh, a bay Marie, something like that. Uh, you know, just, just a bundle of herbs to, uh, to kind of flavor that. That and is a little bit straight- of Go ahead. Strain it, throw it in the fridge overnight. Then exactly. You're use it the yeah. Next day. And you awesome. can, you like, these are the parts that come inside the turkey. So that's why, that, that's what makes it cool because you're kind of using all the parts that you're given with that turkey. Um, if, if you wanted to make your own stocks, we could have a whole episode on stock making. Yeah. Uh, but stocks will freeze for like a year or two um, in your freezer in a, a nice tight container or they'll last in your fridge for up to a month. So, I mean, like, if you had parts on hand, let's say you wanted to make your own chicken stock or something so you didn't have to deal with it the day, the day before, you could use chicken wings or chicken bones or whatever you want to so a nice fatty piece of uh of chicken or something to uh to make your own stock and it'll hold for a month in your fridge yum all right so you slopping that thick stuff all over your meat you chow down <laughs> you hate your life because you just ate your face off but no. it's dessert time you love your life because you get to go and button your pants and lay on the couch watch football oh i'm wearing elastic <laughs> waistbands oh yeah uh maternity pants are fantastic <laughs> <laughs> they make male maternity pants i've heard they're called paternity pants <laughs> oh they <have> matt, <laughs> matt needs to get some paternity pants we should send him some, we should send him some paternity pants mm-hmm. yeah i'll go in on it with you guys we and can we'll, go in on it together. and we'll put a reload on the ass of the pants reload mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. all right we're talking desserts there are traditional Nobody, desserts and then there's a de- i got it okay good reload in the butt yeah Okay. Anyways, sorry. sorry. Anyways, there's traditional desserts, and then there's a dessert that I like to make myself. But um, okay, we we're in America. Apple pie. America. We're, we're diving in. Yeah. We're, we're diving straight into desserts. We're going into desserts. We no finished break? our turkey. We ate our turkey. Or no break. No, because we went too long in the earlier. Segment. Okay, let's do desserts. I'm ready. I got some good ones. All right. Desserts. Apple pie. And then has has to be there. Yeah. Has do we? Does is apple pie normally at our Thanksgivings? Um, I think my mom's. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this, like I, I have never been a huge apple pie, um, eater myself, but if I'm eating apple pie, there better be some vanilla ice cream. Yes. Apple pie a la mode. Mm. Uh And then wait, 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 what kind of ice cream do you guys like with your, with your apple pie? Vanilla bean. Yes. Uh Yeah. Jiggy vanilla bean. Yeah. Vanilla bean. Like that really high quality vanilla. Like you have to have that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The yeah. thick and the cre- thick and creamy. And, mm, yeah. It's like a jizz of ice cream on your plate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, something that I've always been intrigued with, and it's something that I want to try. Like, I really, really want to try this. But um, Aaron over at TBSQ uh, Barbecue, he um, he he puts cheddar. He pairs cheddar cheese with his apple pie, and so does Krista DeSocio. What? DeSocio in the kitchen. We've she talked pairs about cheese this. with apple we, pie. We've talked about this before. You know what? Um, I actually first heard about that on the Cheeky Barbecue Show. If you guys don't know about that, that's a defunct uh, podcast. That's uh, where I heard it. Out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, it was one of my favorite listens of the week. I looked forward to that every Wednesday, and that guy just fell off the face of the earth. You know? I heard he got canceled. 
Uh, did he get canceled? Uh, yeah. Is that no, he, he was no, in that area and got canceled. No, he yeah. received a promotion. Oh, he did. That he received wrong. a promotion to TRP. A good did job. He, did he really? <laughs> so I got so, so cheese and apple pie. So, so a slice of cheddar cheese on top of your apple pie. Cheeky, have you done this before? Are we talking craft singles or like I, no, I no still, cheddar? You know, Aaron and I talked about this like just about a year ago because mm-hmm. I think we were talking Thanksgiving, and I still have yet to try it. Neither have I. Still, I haven't it tried still it. weirds me out a little bit. Yeah. So are we yeah. talking like I'm, I'm a like cold I'm waste an apple pie? I'm sorry, are we I'm talking like a cold slice of cheese laid or over? Or are you going to melt it with like add a torch? Some, add some shredded cheese. I think or? he talked about melting it. So if okay. you've got like the butane torch, you could do that, or you need to slide broiler. it under you know the oven, the broiler for a little bit, or something yeah. like that. Okay. But he basically talked about there. There's a sweet and a savory component. Uh, if you're going to do uh, what what Joel would call a charcuterie board, <laughs> then <laughs> that you know, board. you're, you're going to have cheese, you're going to have fruit. So it's like, it makes sense there, right? So why mm-hmm. not on an apple pie? But It's a charcuterie. Yeah, that makes char. sense, yeah. Charcuterie, um, not it, char. In the vein of pie making and stuff, uh, what we do every year is we order our pies from a local pie shop because I, I'm cooking everything on Thanksgiving. So there's a local pie shop here called Buttermilk Sky, and they make incredible mm-hmm. pies. Um, making a really, really amazing pie is truly a work of art, getting yeah. that, that, that that crumbly crust that's yep. super amazing in the filling. Uh, we always get a apple pie, and then we get what's locally called an I-40 pie. Um, it's a local pie. It is a pecan pie with chocolate chips and coconut on top yes! of it. And it is insanely good. I love um, coconut. Uh, my wife's grandparents were over last week and visiting and stuff, and they don't That's normally good. come for Thanksgiving. So I was like, we got to get one of these pies. Um, they're like $30 a pop at this place. They're kind of expensive. And they're but heavy. They're, they're 100% worth it because you're never going to make a pie as good as these professional pie makers make them. I've had um, blueberry pie it, from them and they're great. It, it is insane. And they actually sell mini pies mm-hmm. and full-size pies. So if you want to try a bunch of little ones, um, you, you most major cities are going to have like a good pie shop. Uh, Cheeky, do you got a good pie shop out there? Of course. Yeah, I mean... I- there's not one that I can think of off the top of my head. There's actually mm-hmm. one up in Seattle, Snohomish Pie Company. Okay. Every time, every time I go visit, their stuff is phenomenal. But nice. Yeah. Do, do you uh, guys I think, order your especially pies now, or? like during COVID, support your local bakery. Yeah, of course, yeah. I mm-hmm. think is huge. So yeah. Do, do you guys order your pies or do you make them on Thanksgiving? So my um, fiance's stepmom is a huge baker, oh, pie yeah. maker. She loves making pies, so we kind of delegate that to her, but. I'm Perfect. not opposed to, you know, ordering a delicious pie, just having that man take something off people's plate for the meal. I know the things that I'm good at and dessert making desserts is not one of them. And so I'm always going to leave that to the professionals and I'll, I'll handle state of the proteins and all that jazz. Now Joel's sister makes a killer pumpkin cheesecake. Oh, it's so oh. good. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like a pumpkin Same pie one fan. Same one that fries the turkeys. Yeah. But she makes a pumpkin cheesecake that is out of this world. And I absolutely love it. So for me, guys, dessert is, and this might be a Southern thing, but my mama, God rest her soul, um, growing up, she made it and still to this day. I mean, honey, you make a good, you make a good banana pudding, Mm -hmm. but nobody, nobody has ever made it like mama did. And it was a warm banana pudding, chalk full of, of vanilla wafers. You get banana pudding sometimes that's got, too much nanners. But she did meringue on the I top, want, didn't she? And then she would put this, this, this crispy meringue that would get just get this mm. brown tips all over the top of it, and it was decadent. Now she went to her grave with this recipe, 
Now, and now if she would have had an Instagram and documented this. <laughs> yes, my, my mamma, uh, who the organ player. At we'd the still have it to First this day. Lawn, or, or at West Lonsdale Baptist Church. Now, we, um, so my, it, somehow or another, though, my cousin, she has gotten a hold of close to the recipe. She has it, and I plan on getting that from her because I've got to get it back the way Mamma made it. And that's one thing that I want to start trying to work on. That and my old man, it's a staple my entire life. He has to have the cheap-ass frozen pumpkin pie uh, from the grocery Ugh. store. Ugh. <laughs> All right. I was just going to say, anyone named Mamma is going to make a better dessert than any of us will ever make. Yes. So <laughs> until we get to the point where we can be called a Mamma, like, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> that's it, Mamma uh, or Peppa. I think that, that's the secret ingredient she took to her grave was just 80 years of making this dessert <laughs> and making it amazing. It's you know? true, man. So non-traditional route. I'm going to give you guys a recipe for an easy pie. If you got to go somewhere and you're going to your families and they say, hey, you're in charge of dessert, try this one out. It's actually really, really good. So this is what you buy. You buy six Butterfinger bars, a block of cream cheese, a tub of Cool Whip. Let's go. And already bought pie crust, okay? Yep. You just get you a graham cracker pie crust. Already but brought, bought. Already already. Bought, made baked <laughs> pre pre made yes, I, I, whatever. I don't understand do they still have the <laughs> they do do they really yes like you, you buy it but like like you don't even have to fertage the dough or anything that's not happening is, no is that, is that a sexual term no, no no it's where you use the heel of your hand to uh to press the butter and the lard into the flour as you're uh, kneading it it's, oh. it's, a, it's a method okay. so just, you get just you, a jizz of graham cracker just a gram <laughs> a jizz of graham cracker so the graham cracker is already jizzed into the pan yes. yeah you just buy it it's so a pre-made wow. pie crust okay the and you, you soften a block of cream cheese mix it with the cool whip and crush up five of the candy bars and you just mix it all together Throw it in the pie crust. Yeah, man. And then top it with more sprinkles of the sixth candy bar. And it's good. You chill it, and it is really, really delicious. It's so this is like a like a cheesecake type thing. Kind of. Yeah, it's so it's fluffy not, not and as, delicious. Not as I I hate cheesecake with a passion. It's oh, not. Well, why? This is fluffy. I don't know. Like like to, I I just hate cheesecake. Like I just I don't cheesecake. like it. So it's it not like, dense like. Is it because you haven't had a proper cheesecake? Or no, no. I've had like people have been like this is an amazing cheesecake or it's like it's some really fancy one with a bunch of crap on it and stuff. And I'm just no? like I just I just don't like cheesecake. Oh, Texture. I don't know, just taste texture. Yeah, it just tastes like a block of cream cheese. Yeah, it's like, it has a sour yeah. tang to it. Like, yeah, a cream, I'm not like a for real that authentic. Desserts. Yeah. If you go to like Cheesecake Factory and they've got all those different varieties mm-hmm. of them, they're a lot more sweeter. But like an authentic cheesecake, it does. It does have. Like I a used tang. to hate cheesecake. Then I realized girls loved cheesecake, so I made myself like it. And then hey, you know. Now Joel's like cheesecake with strawberries. Do you want some cheesecake, honey? Mm. But yeah. Anyways, this Butterfinger pie, it does have a cheesecake-like <laughs> consistency, but it is. It's not dense. It's kind of more whipped be more like a pie, more like a cheese cheesecake hybrid. And it's so easy. You don't bake it or anything. You just let it chill and it's delicious. Nice. This, yeah, it's You the, could even go as far as like drizzling some chocolate and, syrup or caramel or whatever you want on the top. Yeah. Oh! Like nice chunks of Butterfinger on top. And, that's, yeah, oh, yeah, that's what I do. The sixth candy bar is for the garnish. You gotta have you salt bay that shit. Yeah. Have to. Salt anyway. bay. I'm not above it. I'm, I'm aligned with that. Elbow grease on there. Yeah, and I know mm. Matt... I actually, this, this is finally absorbed that Matt is not allergic to peanuts. So that is a pie that he could have. <laughs> but what about his peanut allergy? I know. Yeah. I don't know what is wrong with my brain. Only the nuts from the trees. It's a tree nut allergy. So, um, not, not a peanut allergy. And to top off this dessert talk, 
Jeremy brought us a fine dessert today that we're going to partake in later. Because we had a little Friendsgiving today, I made some bourbon creme brulees. And uh, a creme brulee is a really easy thing to make. It's very, I'm sorry, not easy, simple thing to make with a very advanced technique. Um, yeah. It has like five ingredients into it. If it's something you really want to get into, you can set, you can shoot me a message or something. I'm not going to go into it here on the show. It's a little out of the, uh, out of the- uh, Thanksgiving realm. Thanksgiving I realm. I think they're going to like about. my store-bought pie crust better than that. <laughs> no, I think- Mine will taste a lot better. Probably. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yours is a lot less work. It, 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 it's not you burning your hands on steaming liquid in your in your oven for two hours. <laughs> These yeah. hands. These hands. So just These one question about hands. the bourbon. Yep. Jeremy, what, what bourbon did you use? Old Granddad 114. Of course. He went a high profile, baby. Just had to do it. I, I well, knew I was entertaining guys, like, these guys. a case so. of it or something, right? So... Yeah. You're good. <laughs> yeah. They actually don't have chairs in their living room at their new house. It's just cases of old granddad 114 everyone sits on. Yep. Yeah, they're little thrones. That's yep. a good idea. O G D thrones. We'll buy those if, if our furniture doesn't come in time. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Just cases and cases. Mm-hmm. All right. We going to a break? Yep. So take us through there. On the other side, Jeremy. All right, guys. I'm gonna bring us back on the other side. We're gonna do some rapid fire. We'll see you there. Wee. Guest co-host. Hey, he's gonna go first. That's we will right. go. Ooh. Cheeky, Stacy, Joel. Yes, I love being last. <laughs> first question of the night: What is the best time zone to live in? Cheeky, West Coast. Duh. Oh, that's a weird answer. Stacy, Pacific, Pacific, Pacific. Uh, no. Stacy, my answer is East Coast until it's time for like the Super Bowl, and I would wish it was earlier. Everything is East Coast time. Joel? I say East Coast because everything happens first. Right? So, Cheeky, you automatically lose on that one. Yeah. Second How question. does it happen first? It happens at the same time. No, it, it just... doesn't. <laughs> the sun does not set here. The well, same if, sets there. No, if if uh, Wheel of Fortune comes on on 7, we see it before it comes on at 7 at your house. Yeah, exactly. So, as, as Jeremy stated earlier, you guys are clearly much older than Jeremy and I. <laughs> <laughs> Holy hell, fucking fortune. Yeah, uh, That's true. Look, Cheeky, uh, we live in the East, the land of the rising sun, okay? so Cheeky, what year were you born? 1986. Okay, you're not that Pick much younger sticks. than us. You're a little Pick older than me, too. 83 over here. Question numero dos. What color is a peeled blueberry? Cheeky. Blue. Stacy. Purple. Clear. They are green. No shit. A peeled blueberry is green, the outside is blue, and when you mash them, they are purple. Blueberries are effing weird. Huh. I know before they're ready to pick, they're green. Well, how yeah. Oh, Lord. Staying on that fruit theme, how many pounds of apples do you eat in a day? Cheeky. A half. Half a pound of apples a day? Is that the standard? Half of one pound. Half of one pound, that's the standard for all of Oregon? Yes. Cool. Can you live there if you don't do that? No. No, it's part of the do entrance. Not, do not move here. Do they measure it like in your stool? They take a stool sample and see how many pounds of apples you eat a day? Rabbit hole. Did you know that I am actually... Uh, 
Yes, they count. <laughs> it counts as seeds. Um, I am directly a direct descendant of Johnny Appleseed. How cool is that? Uh, it seems like and Daniel be- and Daniel Boone. <laughs> That seems like something that could be easily fabricated, like that office. It's not that, that it's, episode of The Office where like Ed Holmes finds out he's related to Michelle Obama. Mom, like mom. Oh my god, Wait. not this again. <laughs> not this again. Fact Johnny check. Appleseed Fact and check. Daniel Boone were in a relationship together. Well, cr- what about Jen- Johnny Appleseed, Ma? <laughs> fabricated so, lies. So we just got from Joel's mom that that's what they told her. <laughs> Uh, that that is the authority we're going on. Back here. to the question I had about three Mom, ounces of apples yesterday. Your meatloaf sucks. All right, Stacey <laughs> had three ounces of apples yesterday. Joel, how many pounds of apples do you eat today? That would be zero. Very good. How much better is the incredible Sony lineup of cameras over the vastly inferior Canon? Jiki. Ah, <laughs> uh, you sob. They're not. They're not better at all. They they led the way, but Canon's catching up. I don't understand your answer at all. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't guessed, these these questions are so slightly themed in a in an Oregon cheeky direction. Yes. Stacy, how much better are Sony cameras? I don't know yet because we just bought Sony a sixty four hundred. So it means that they are better though because well, you're invested in we them. We just wanted to be cool with you guys. Well, Joel. you know, I you know, I I rocked a Canon ADD for a long time. ADD, I, ADD. I was, ti- I was tired. <laughs> he does got some ADD. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. But I was tired of being inferior, so I decided to step up to the big boys. Step up that game. And I got that Sony A6500. Two of them, baby. Two of them, one for each hand. If you're shooting with a crop sensor, Sony, you're still not with the big boys. Sorry, guys. The crop sensor is perfect for food. Gives you that automatic zoom in on the lens. Mm, All right, Cheeky. I don't don't know what that means. (laughs) All right, Cheeky. What does daylight savings time mean in Portland? Uh, it means that allegedly I got an extra hour of sleep today, but no one told my dog that, so it didn't really matter. Cool. Stacy. Allegedly nothing. Uh, well, in Portland, hell, I don't know. I've never lived there. Okay. Joel? Wait till you uh, have kids, Cheeky. Uh, your dog won't mean <laughs> shit. Uh, the answer to that question means it is uh, you get an extra hour of rain. That's true. <laughs> hey, it's 65 and wall-to-wall sunshine today. I'll take it. Very nice. <laughs> All right. If you... If you couldn't have turkey for Thanksgiving, what main dish would you have? Cheeky. Beef, beef short ribs, and I will. Nice. Stacy. Filet mignon. You would serve filet mignon to you and all of your guests. Uh, for, just to me. Well, you're not serving your turkey just to yourself. This is still the same yeah, family gathering. I would. You'd buy a bunch of individual filets and serve them to all of your guests, including your children. I would limit who comes. Joel, this is going to be a really expensive Thanksgiving for you. Yes, it what, is. What would Luckily, you I, buy my, I buy all my filets from HaltemanFamilyMeats.com. You just go to Why not just do a whole meat center line? That's true. Uh, if I could not have turkey, I would probably be smoking a bunch of venison from the hind quarter. Yes. There you go. A whole hind corner like a roast. Yeah. Slice it up. Yeah, Very like good. That. All right, Chicky. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much does the great American North ate the great North American ape, a.k.a. Bigfoot, affect daily life for a person living in the PNW. You guys have no idea how big Bigfoot is out here in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, it's like an eight or a nine for the average Pacific Northwest uh, resident. 
Yeah. Anyone who thinks that they were super creative adding Sasquatch to their name or whatever is like the the least unoriginal person ever. <laughs> I feel like that's like a dig towards a direct person there. Uh, I feel like that. I don't know what you're talking about. He follows yeah. and unfollows too. I don't, wink, know wink. You, I don't know what you're talking about. Stacey, how I don't much, know what you're talking about either. Stacey, yeah, how, how much would Sasquatch... Um, affect your life if you were living in the Pacific Northwest, would you imagine? I think it would affect my life a lot because my husband has a weird obsession with him and I think he would be out constantly in search of finding said... I, I feel like it affects your life living here on the uh, on the East Coast. <laughs> Already, amount. yeah. A documentary comes out about it, he's watching it. And we're then binging we're just, that shit. To, yeah, and then I gotta listen about how it's real. Joel, on a scale of 9 to 10, how much would it affect your life? <laughs> 12. 12. 12. <laughs> that sounds about right there. Solid 12. Solid 12-er. Um, I would not be able to help myself. I mean, if I knew I was in said Sasquatch's home area, I would be. it would be my life goal to find if, said Sasquatch. If you said knew there were, there were X amount of Sasquatches in like a 10-mile radius of your house, you'd just be out there every night. Here's the big question for all of you hosts on here on the podcast. If you were in the woods, you had a weapon, and you saw said Sasquatch, would you shoot said Sasquatch? Uh, like is like the lighting good? You know, one hundred percent that's a Sasquatch, not, yes. a, per, not a person walking no, no, by. Yes, one hundred percent. They're in a costume. That's their that's their fault, anyways. It's like yes, South Park. They're coming right for us. You know that kind of shit. You're out hunting. Yeah. You're in a tree stand. You're ready to go. You're ready to shoot a deer, and a Sasquatch just walks. I'm in front. shooting that fucker in the face, and I am claiming it. I mean, I, I I'm putting it to rest right there. This I, all this crap. These days, hunters going. Oh, I saw the Sasquatch. He had long, beautiful hair, and I, you know that kind of crap, and then. No. Being I, being a hunter though, wouldn't you want to go for like a heart and lung shot, not like a headshot? You're right. I wouldn't shoot it in the face because yeah. I, I want I want the detail. But yes. yeah, well, because you want to mount it. Yes. Yeah, a you do like a mount. mount. Full would you do like body the full body mount or just the head mount? No, full body, hundred percent. I want to be able to lay in his arms. Uh, Cheeky, would you do the the full body mount or just a head mount of a Sasquatch? Well, I think that it's it's one of those things you want the perspective of the full body. Yeah, right? it's like when it's like when you stand next to a Shaquille O'Neal cutout or mm-hmm. something, and you're like, "Damn, yeah. this dude was really tall." Yeah. It's the same thing, but, but just a but, little fur, but, furrier and taller. And you under, if, you you understand that you are missing out on the opportunity of making love on a Sasquatch rug in front of a roaring fire. Ooh. See, I want the full rug. Yeah, the rug. That, that's I'll, the one. No, put, I'll put Pantene no. Pro V on its hair, <laughs> make it nice Herbal and soft. Essence, mm. I'm not doing it. Um, <laughs> no, I would do the full mount first, and then I would go for a second Sasquatch, and I'd get the uh, the Wow, you're getting greedy. No, no. Yeah. Going for two. Look at this. You have a full mount Sasquatch. You get a second Sasquatch. Now you have the opportunity of two Sasquatches high-fiving. <laughs> oh, shit. This is where we Come lost on. our listeners. See? Sasquatch eyes. We are in a deep this rabbit hole of Sasquatches. This is where our right listeners here. have quit. Now, if you ever move out to the Pacific Northwest, you're just going to have a house full, made of Sasquatches. That's it. I'll have a, a Sasquatch. I'll have a freaking Shire house made of Sasquatch hair. Exactly. And that brings us to our final question of the night. Cheeky, are Reload Rubs the greatest seasonings of all time? In honor of Matt, Yes. <laughs> of well, course it's, well, it's yes of course yes of course wow. I thought it was yes absolutely I froze in the moment I'm sorry you got in yes, your head a performance thing oh, it is, happens to the guys all the time screwing this up Stacy does a turkey gobble Joel when I whoop oh, I thought you were gonna gobble oh, oh. there you go 
you go. That work? There you go. Go okay. ahead. Go well, ahead. I lost it. We're good. Moving <laughs> on. And that brings us to the end of rapid fire questions. I'm going to throw it over to you. That's right, guys. It's time for that segment, which you love and you yearn for, which is Reload Recommends, where at the end of the podcast, we recommend things to you that we think are cool and badass. So that being said, let's dive straight into Reload Recommendations. Recommendations from Reload. Yeah, Cheeky, <laughs> how's that feel? So, I've always wondered if that's just like a pre-recorded thing that you guys nope. hit a button for, nope. or what you do, and being able to sit here and watch you do that live <laughs> literally just made made my day. How uncomfortable <laughs> did it make you? Yes. Live on every show. Oh. How uncomfortable, uncomfortable did that make you? uncomfortable, you mean turned on a little bit. <laughs> hey. so I am very uncomfortable. That's so uh, good. All right. right. Who's doing this? Speaking of Bush. All right. We're going to go just like Jeremy did. I'm going to start with Cheeky, Jeremy second, Stacey you third, and rounding me out last. So Cheeky, tell us what your recommendation is, brother. All right. So staying true to Matt, I've got a song to recommend for uh, Matt's music here. Um, I think that this is a song he would be okay with me uh, recommending. I think it's going to fit in well on the Spotify uh, playlist, which is, I, I forget the what it's called. Reload uh, Recommends on Spotify. Reload Recommends, that's right. So I, I listen to it all the time. It's a great podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, it's a great playlist. Uh, this is Sturgill Simpson, who I'm a huge fan Ooh, of. yeah. One of my biggest disappointments in COVID is that uh, my fiance gifted me tickets to see Sturgill and Tyler Childers to play this year. That show got canceled after Sturgill got COVID himself. Uh, but this is from his 2016 album, A Sailor's Guide to Earth. The song is called Call to Arms. That was Sturgill Simpson, A Call to Arms. Uh, the only thing I would recommend in addition to uh, subscribing to the playlist to listen to that, if you Google his Saturday Night Live performance of that song, it is absolutely phenomenal. It gets you pumped up. If you're not uh, you know, bobbing your head after watching that and getting pumped up, then you should check if you have a pulse. <laughs> right. Great song, man. Dude, yeah, you definitely brought it. Uh, you got some good legs there for the uh, for Matt's music and whatnot. That song does slap. I wasn't sure at first, but when the homeboy got in there, I started singing. It got me grooving. There's like some bebop <laughs> feels in there. I know. It got me really excited. So, All right, Jeremy, where you at, bro? All right, I just sent a profile to the group. Um, this is a company called Tom's Ridiculous Things, and this guy makes beer can chicken holders. If what? you guys want to look at it, look at his little website there. He sent me one this week. I haven't used it yet, but he makes a beer can chicken holder of a rooster laying on its back. You put the beer can between the rooster's leg, and then the chicken sits on the beer can, and you roast it 
in that manner. <laughs> this is great. It's it hilarious. Looks like it's riding the rooster. And, like it even comes with a little pair of metal sunglasses to put on the chicken while it's roasting. <laughs> I love it. um, he also has some motorcycle ones, but um, I got the uh, I got the <laughs> I got I got the one that oh, has no. the chicken. It's like it, he's fucking the chicken is what it's doing. Yes, uh, not to put too fine of a point on there, but that's exactly what it is. Okay. Um, it's he's even abs- holding the the rooster feathers in the air. Yes, yes. Uh, the, the, the rooster is laying there, and then the, the beer can simulates the Take it. phallic region Take of the rooster. Take my poultry. You know, we've never cooked a beer can chicken. I've cooked a few. They're fantastic. Uh, you know, the method would be just taking uh, drinking about half the beer so it doesn't boil over, uh, putting it inside the chicken, roasting it in that way. The the idea is that the uh, as the beer evaporates, it, it moistens the inside of the bird. Um, much like um, a spray of jizz of beer inside the bird there. A jizz of beer. A jizz of beer. <laughs> a jizz of beer. All right. This is really good. That is my recommendation. Is, was, I've been really excited to share listen, it with you guys because it's so funny. If you don't even want to buy one of these, just go look at the page. Tom's underscore ridiculous with a K. No, no. It's Rick Dick Ulysses <laughs> things. And that's why there's a K in there. You'll find it. Anyways, it's 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 really good. Just seeing the pictures. All right, all right Stace, what do you have, honey? Shameless plug for me. I'm just recommending you guys to go out. Go ahead and pick up, and I'm sure a lot of you already have it, but use Fully Loaded this Thanksgiving season, um, not only on your birds, but it's excellent in mashed potatoes, um, your veggies, when you're sauteing your veggies, roasting your veggies, mm-hmm. um, inside your gravy. It is a great all-purpose rub. You can use it for all things Thanksgiving. So I just highly recommend picking up that rub. It's the ultimate all-purpose. It is. So get after it this Thanksgiving season, for sure. I made some mac and cheese last week. And in the roux, I added a healthy amount of fully loaded mm-hmm. and then a touch of pack and heat in oh, there. Yeah. And it just, the flavor was phenomenal. I'm so glad. Thank you. Thank you, dude. Appreciate that. Jeremy, <laughs> look at the tits on this bird. Oh my gosh. He found another ridiculous photo. Look how good That's it is. the title oh, of the no, podcast. No, no. You, you know what they did here? Okay, so we're looking at a, a, a picture on the on the Tom's Ridiculous Things page with, with, with the rooster beer can chicken. Um, what they did is is they pulled back the skin on the chicken and they put half of a lemon underneath the skin oh. and it looks like the, 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 the bird has boobs. Look, it looks like straight tits. It is, but I think that should be the title <laughs> of the yes. podcast. Look at the tits on this bird. Look at the tits on this bird. <laughs> I love that. Um, but yeah, um, I've seen that method before as a joke, but combined with this is uh, is just even funnier. Uh, it's hilarious. All right, guys, so I'm going to round this out here. I got a show for you all that I have really enjoyed. I went back and forth between two, but I'm settling on this one here, and I can't remember if you talked about this show or not, but I'm recommending it again if, if you did. It's Shit's Creek on Netflix. Nope, I haven't watched it yet. Okay, I have uh, not gotten through all of it, but um, I, we have been watching Shit's Creek. I think we're in like fourth episode in. It is so damn hilarious. It's about this uh, multimillionaire, billionaire family that their business partner who worked at all of their accounting never paid taxes. I mean, the first episode, the first second you turn it on, the IRS is in there taking all of their shit out of their house. And uh, it is a hell of a house. But anyways, the, the, the dad bought this town called Shit's Creek for his son, for his birthday as a joke. And they were like, why didn't you just Photoshop that stuff? He goes, because then it wouldn't have been a fucking joke, you know? So he bought a town called Shit's Creek and the IRS deemed that town worthless and that's all they have left to their name. So <laughs> it's a hilarious show, some good acting and it's definitely worth the time for sure. So 
Uh, so that's it for this podcast, guys. We love you all. We thank you so much for listening. We hope that you have learned something out of all the jazz we've been talking about on this episode and the previous one before that. Cheeky, I want to thank you for sitting in for Matt on helping us co-host this podcast. We love having you, bro. And I'll uh, be looking out, guys, for future episodes with Cheeky on it as well. We hope you enjoy the holidays with your loved ones, and we hope you are can remember what the season is about, which is being thankful for the time that we have. We love you guys. We thank you. And don't forget, guys, subscribe. Hit that button. Do it. Do it right now so you can listen to that Reload podcast anytime, anywhere. We love you for the 10th millionth time, and we'll see you on the next show. See you next Tuesday. This podcast is brought to you by Reload Rub and Seasoning. Head to ReloadRub.com to pick up the full arsenal of our delicious blends, perfect for amping up your next meal. No MSG, clean ingredients, and a portion of every sale is donated to Hungry Heroes, serving those who serve others. So head over to ReloadRub.com and order yours today. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another Reload Fuck Me. Okay. <laughs> Third time's charm. Matt, I think Stacy's going to have a retraction, too, about stuffed turkey in this episode. Oh, after, stop. after trying mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my mom's turkey's not, it's not dry. Hang on. It's not as juicy as Jeremy's. <laughs> Save it for the show. See, Matt, this is, this is why we miss you, man. <sighs> yeah. We drink beer here, yes. too, Cheeky. Lots of beer. Bush is a good, a good Southern staple. I'd, I'd fit in if I walked down the street with this sweater. I'd yes. be okay. You get lots of high fives. <laughs> <laughs> this is what he said. Well, I, I messaged Matt and I go, well, I go, that looks great, man. What's it stuffed with? And he goes, stuffing. Stuffing. <laughs> Jeez. What's like, wrong all with right, you? Well, but it could have been stuffed with anything. Like, don't <laughs> act like it was a stupid question. <laughs> right? like, you dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs>